Well, hi, guys. We're back for another recap. It's been three months. Once again, I know I say this every time. I hope people like our recap episodes. I know that we... So this time we invited back Andy Shaw because when we did this before, Yan, you were having a voice issue. So Andy and I did it without you. And I got a lot of really positive response. People enjoyed the the added bit of chemistry that Andy brings to the table. So I thought, well, let's just make this, you know, semi-permanent, as permanent as he wants it to be, to do these... Re- <laughs> Recap you know, episodes. It only costed me a hundred dollars per uh, response that uh, was given to you. Brian Lennon charged me two hundred. That son of a. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. That was money well spent, Danny. Because you're uh, you're going to be on a uh, lot more often now. I, sure. I'm on the quarterly hustle podcast summary episodes. My right. life's ambition has been uh, reached. <laughs> No offense. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. But as I was uh, saying before we went live here, this is the uh, the first time I've ever been face to face live with Yan the Man. I mean, we uh, we had done these previously uh, via Zoom, just uh, audio uh-huh. quality, never video. So Yan, it's it's nice to finally actually meet you in somewhat in person. Yeah, live good here, to see so. you. Yeah. Hey, yeah, last time I really did have a terrible voice. It was I'd gotten like a. A really nasty infection. It wasn't, thankfully, it wasn't COVID because I was testing myself every other day. And it just affected my ears and my throat. And it was weeks before I got my voice back. Literally weeks. Crazy. That's crazy. Five, six weeks. Wow. Well, um, some people thought those were really glorious weeks right there. And some people (laughs) missed you terribly, Yan. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, our, our intro music was selected by Yan, as it almost always is. Tell us why you picked this song, Yan. So this this one, it's called Angel of the Reckless, and it's by a, a Glasgow band called The Bison Family. They were the opener for Delamitri when I went to see Delamitri at the at Barrowlands, world-famous Barrowlands, absolute fabulous venue, and they rock they are so good they're so tight they're all musicians for other other people as well so if you're familiar with paolo natini some of them i love paolo they play with paolo yeah 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 and uh, so they are really a good band to listen to and on the back of that gig i bought their album great it's uh it was was awesome great uh i wanted to Oh, continue. But for me, for this for this year, that they're, they're probably since the gigs open back up, 
probably a toss-up between them and Armory Show being the the best openers I've seen. What about you, what about you guys? That's a good question. First of all, you, we should uh, clarify. You saw Armory Show. Now this is like a dream bill. Armory Show opened for who? Big Country and the Skids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for anyone, if you don't remember, when we had Richard Jobson on last year, Richard had been the lead singer of the Skids, and then he went on and formed the Armory Show afterwards. Um, he had been in the skids with Stuart Adamson, who went on to form Big Country. And so they are all like this tight knit group. And so you got to see three of these great bands on one yeah. ticket. And the, the original Armory show had John McGee from Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. But of, of course, he's sadly yeah. long gone. Yeah. So, but the, the folks that they had were really quite good. And the bassist yeah. played in all three bands. Really? That's <laughs> yeah. great. If you were to think back, Andy, what are some of the best openers you've ever seen? Do you know? Well, I saw this little um, band called Soundgarden. Oh. And, uh, well, they they had already hit it big, though. They opened for Guns N' Roses when I saw them in March of 92, so 30 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, so uh, Guns N' Roses came to Minneapolis, and that, of course, was, you know, during Axel, Let Axel Be Axel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the show was supposed to start like at, you know, eight o'clock or something. And Soundgarden came out, did like maybe 45 minutes and got a decent reception. I mean, um, uh, Outshined, it was already out, you know, of course. So people knew that, but less than enthusiastic. So (laughs) when uh, (laughs) when the guys were getting off uh, stage, uh, they said, I hope you enjoyed us because who knows when Axel's coming out. And I don't think Axel came out until 10 30, 11 o'clock is when yeah. GNR finally went on. I left the Target Center in downtown Minneapolis around 1 30 in the morning oh, on a school wow. night. I was a senior in high school. Luckily, oh. it was almost the end of the, the year, so it didn't wow. really matter. But uh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of opening acts, other opening acts. You know, limited warranty, I think. They How were, do I know that name? They were from they win on Star Search. Uh, yes, I believe they were on Star Search. They were kind of like the the next, they were going to be like the next big pop rock group from Minneapolis and just never quite hit it. I think they were on either MCA or um, Sire. Story about them, okay? Okay, yeah, they they were the biggest thing around here after about the Jets, uh huh. (laughs) And just never went over the top. I think they opened for Belinda Carlisle when I saw her. Oh, interesting. At the That's Minnesota one of Yan's State big crushes. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Love me. Red, red hair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he loves the red <laughs> Even post work done, Belinda Carlisle at yeah. 64 is still. Still a beautiful uh, lady. She just had uh, Lisa Loeb open for her the other night. I, I saw, saw that. I yeah. So that I have some comments on these. Number one, uh, limited warranty. I can't, they were on star search and they went up against the, uh, the crazy eights who were one of, who's been on the show. They were a Portland ska band. They were one of the first, uh, I think they were in what, like one of the first 10 to 15, 20 episodes we ever did. Um, Aaron Surrett time period. Yes. This was back in Aaron Surrett. Yes. Um, so I can't remember who won ultimately on star search, but I remember talking about them with, the guy from the crazy eights that we had on. Secondly, you talk about uh, uh, Axel being so late that happened to us once for Farrah's birthday. One year we got, I got, was it her birthday or our anniversary? I think it was a birthday. 
got her tickets to see Madonna. She's a huge Madonna fan. And the kids were just little. So we had a uh, sitter at our house and the sitter was a married couple with a brand new baby. And um, they were staying at our house during the show. Well, Madonna didn't come on stage until 11 o'clock and we had gotten there. The the show was supposed to start, I think at seven or eight or something. So we were in our seats and nothing's happening. And then a DJ comes out and he just plays music for a couple of hours and it's a million degrees in there. So Madonna finally comes out. But by the time she comes out, we have to go home to relieve. I have oh. to go home anyway to relieve the sitters because they're at her house with a brand new baby. So I okay. saw, I think, maybe three songs from Madonna. And then I left. But then I had to come back and pick up Farah afterwards. She This was at the Pepsi Center, what used to be called the Pepsi. I can't remember what it is now. Anyway, so our brand new kids are little babies in cribs. But I can't leave them home. So at 1.30 in the morning or whatever it was, I got to put them in car seats, drive over to the Pepsi Center to pick up mom from the Madonna concert and go back and then put them in bed. So, oh, yeah, screw those people who, you know, are can't be bothered to keep it on time. Well, as far well, as, you know, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and they're losing money, you know, like with, yeah. with Axl Rose. I mean, those are union guys running these big stadium shows and uh, they're going double overtime. If you're past a certain, you know, hour on the clock. Yeah. So I'm sure it's, it's raining money for those, for the teamster guys. But, it's uh, ridiculous. Um, as far as openers go, I'm cheating here, but one of the best openers I ever saw was John Fogarty. He opened for John Mellencamp at Red Rocks 12, 15 years ago. I think that order should be reversed. Yeah. Well, back then, yeah. That was a great show. And John Fogarty had so much passion. It was so fun to watch him. And then another one that I, this is a total long shot. If anyone out there listening thinks they know who this is, around 2000, I want to say, 90. Six ninety seven ninety eight. I saw Grantley Buffalo on a Sunday night in Salt Lake City, and the opening act were so good. And I can't remember anything about them except they had a song that's called Amoebas or Amoeba or Like an Amoeba or something like that. If anyone out there can guess who this is or know who this is, tell me because I years later I saw their one album in a used CD store and I was going to buy it and I didn't and I can't. T- remember what they're called anymore um but one of the best openers i ever saw since andy's here it was the smithereens were the headliners this is the first time i ever saw the smithereens this was back in the green thoughts days Mm. and the opener was paul kelly and the messengers and i never admitted this to you andy because i'm afraid it would hurt your feelings and ruin our friendship but the next day i went to the cd store and i bought the paul kelly and the messengers latest cd not the smithereens latest cd you bastard i know know. you're the one derailed their career trajectory (laughs) son of a (laughs) i i get i don't know what it was i think because i wasn't aware of paul kelly then when they started playing they had a song called dumb things that i loved and was (laughs) getting airplay but i didn't know that's who it was so I loved that song. And the next day I went and bought their new album, which is called Under the Sun. You didn't anyway, heist that from the music land? In, I didn't. Uh, I actually paid Sandy, for Sandy, Utah. <laughs> I actually paid for Under the Sun. 
I okay. can't promise that I haven't stolen other things in my life, but so I didn't, the I, yeah. <laughs> so the fight, the power single you walked off with from music land without a hint of irony that you're fighting the power. That's it. And, uh, <laughs> but Paul Kelly, you, 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 ch- you know, yeah. pulled out your 12 bucks. Okay. Yes. I see how yes. It works. Yeah. That's it. Oh, um, you know what? I was, uh, I was just talking with a buddy the other day and, uh, we were, we were, uh, reminiscing about how Minneapolis used to be the music retail center of the world really? because think back to the late nineties. What are, what were three huge corporations located in Minneapolis? You got your best buy, you have your music land slash Sam Goody and target. Now in 1998, where would you have bought a CD, John? I'm assuming probably one of those three stores. That's exactly right. I did oh, not piece together they were all based there in Mini. Yeah, all of them are here. And so, you know, I would read the, you know, Twin Cities business section. It would say, oh, Target had a, a big, uh, you know, thing at the Target Center for the, you know, the top managers of the country. Oh, and they flew Stevie Wonder in to perform for him. And I'm oh. like, what? How do I get invited to that? A private Stevie wow. Wonder show. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, and we had NKTEL was based in Minneapolis, suburbs of Minneapolis. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't even figured that in. By the way, we'll keep a little teaser. The music of Minneapolis factors into a episode coming out first Tuesday of of August, whatever that is. So a couple of weeks. All right. So what's going on in in our lives? Anybody? One thing I was going to mention is and I only say this because she's been on the show, but Georgia, our little Georgia daughter, who's not so little, uh, she just turned 15. So she's got her permit and, um, I've taken her driving a couple of times, which is really weird. She's not very good at stopping at stop signs yet, which is dangerous. Dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We've driven out in the middle of nowhere. So it hasn't been an issue yet, but it's weird. She's almost six feet tall. She um, is about to become a lifeguard. She has to go through oh. these uh, lifeguard training. She and her friends go to the pool and she's in this bikini and she looks like a sexy young woman. It's so strange. That's something I, I just to get really weird for a second. Look, we're guys and we like looking at women in bikinis and other things. Just remember it, as it's when you think that each one of those w- girls or women is some dad's little girl. It ruins everything. And now that my daughter is turning into a really attractive young woman, it, uh, it's an, uh, it's very, there's some, uh, disconnect going on there. Anyway, a little bit of that. What about you, Andy? Oh gosh. Um, let's see here. So I ended up, my wife and I ended up going to Tybee Island, Georgia, John, which you said you had another friend that was there the same time. I was back I in did. May. Yeah, so Tybee Island is off the coast of uh, Savannah, Georgia, and it's this nice, cute little island. It's pretty low key, and that is actually where I proposed to my wife Alicia back in November of uh, 2001. And uh, we always said we would go back, and <laughs> just never got around to it. So finally, we said we're going to go back to Tybee Island. And a few things had changed, but essentially, the place looked pretty much how we remembered it from 21 years ago. Uh, But we ended up getting uh, COVID or testing positive for COVID the day before we were supposed to leave. So we spent four or five days there. And then the day before we were supposed to leave, my wife didn't feel well. I hadn't been feeling well the the 
previous couple days, but I was like, oh, well, it's like 95 degrees here. Maybe it's just the heat. Mm-hmm. Ran down to CVS, bought some tests, tested positive. So then we're like, well, we can't go home tomorrow on a plane, even with masks. I'd feel like a total jerk. Right. And my wife being a nurse and medical ethical uh, stuff, she's like, yeah, we can't in good faith travel if we knowingly just tested positive. So we called our respective works and said, hey, we're going to stay here a few more days to quarantine. Um, and luckily, the condo place we were at had another facility or another room for us. So they're like, but could you be out in the next hour? Because we have to like <laughs> clean that room, the you know condo you've been in for the last four days, you know, 100% wipe down. So I had to load up all of our stuff. I'm already feeling like crap, you know, throwing suitcases and food and wheel it across the complex to the other condo. Uh, Luckily, this round of COVID for me wasn't as bad as last year. Last year was the sickest I had ever been in May of 2021. Um, But this one was a little bit more just like the flu, whereas the first time I had COVID, it was like the flu times 10. I mean, I'd never been that sick before. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we just went to Nashville in June, uh, stayed up in the Smoky Mountains for a couple of days, and then stayed in the city of Nashville for a day or two. And we visited the uh, Musicians Hall of Fame, oh, wow. which was great. So that's a Hall of Fame, you know, obviously, like it says, for musicians. So they have like, you know, the Stacks section and the Sun Records section the wrecking crew section for those LA guys. So they have all the memorabilia of like, Oh, this is, you know, here's a gold record for uh, Chet Atkins producing Jerry Lee or Jerry Reed's Amos Moses. Mm. And they'll have the Hal Blaine drum kit um, and other stuff like that. So that was really cool. And they made it uh, interactive. So like, you know, they had a microphone and a projection screen behind you. So you could, you know, do sing along with Ray Charles. Mm. And then they had a, a interactive thing. Uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, where you took Human by the Human League, and you would play with the faders and the uh-huh. volumes, and you know, br- change the mix around essentially. Yes, it was yeah. a little more interactive. Then they had some like electronic drum kits to play around with and keyboards. So that was a really good time. If you're in Nashville, uh, highly suggest checking that out. That's killer. Yeah, and didn't they do that mixing of song? Didn't something like that happen at the Freddie Mercury Museum or whatever in Switzerland that you went to? Yeah, but not not to that scale. It was oh, just okay. like a, a few sliders on the board. It was meant yeah. to be a re- representation of their original uh, mixing board, and it's pretty impressive if that's what the what it looked like. So, but you only got to change a few a few things. So okay, you really, sure. really couldn't change much about the mix, and you didn't. It was just live. It wasn't something you could okay. save off. Yeah. Mm. When I, um, when Fair and I were last in London five years ago, that time we saw you in Paris, Jan, we mm-hmm. went, I went to the Pink Floyd exhibit at the Victoria and Albert, and you could do that to money. You could mix, you could listen to mon- money and then mix however you wanted to mix it. Similar idea. It was so fascinating. Wait a minute. So you and Farah and Yan met up in. Well, Paris? no. Me, so me and Farah went on a trip to, we did 10 days. We did five days in London and five days in Paris. And it just so happened that Yan was in Paris with his son, Nicholas, when we were in Paris. So oh. we met up, I think, I think we had just gotten there and you were leaving or whatever. We only had like one day of crossover. And so we all met up for lunch on the Champs-Elysees one afternoon. Nice. Yeah. 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 
And then a couple of a couple of days later, uh, let's see, where were we going? You guys we were on like a done, whole European tour or something like that. Yeah, we we'd done Versailles. It was, this was like the Monday, I think, maybe. Yeah. Was it? Or the sun or the Sunday or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'd just done Versailles, and the day we left was the day there was an issue on the Champs Elysees, and we were there about two hours before it happened. Yeah, somebody, some terrorist drove down the Champs Elysees in a van into people, yeah, and um, that's right. Yeah, this was happening a lot in Europe right around that time. So, yeah, that had been yeah. you had just been there. Yeah, a couple wow. hours before. Right, right where that was. Yeah. 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 We were there, I think, two days later or something like that. Yeah. Anyway. I, I'm jealous, Jan. You know, uh, since you're in Scotland, I mean, for you to just, you know, jet off and go to Switzerland or, uh, you know, Sweden or somewhere like that, it's a lot easier for you to do that. Yeah. And then, and, and then once you get to the, the main continent, you know, taking the trains, you can get all over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so I'll give you guys an example. My sister lives in Switzerland and she complained, she complained about the cost of her, what's called uh, a bonnement. So it's a, like a annual pass and uh, it costs like 3,800 Swiss francs for the year, but it covers all the trains, all the trams, all the buses, some of the cable cars, some boats all over the whole country. And if you and my other sister living down south, just outside of Cambridge, if she wanted to buy a season pass for the year to tra travel into London on the train, there would be name stations and it would be about five or six thousand pounds. <laughs> How much is thirty eight hundred dollars in Switzerland? Thirty hundred Swiss is probably about. Um, 3,300, 3,400 pounds. Okay. Pounds, which is about, about 5,000 US. Maybe. Yeah, 1.2 1. 1. to the okay. to the pounds. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like for me in Minneapolis, you know, I can drive six hours and be in Rapid City, South Dakota. <laughs> Been there. I'm not going to Geneva. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no. I know. That's what we're stuck with. You know, I'm not going to Versailles like Yan. Yeah. 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 If you do it right, you can do it cheap. I mean, yeah. I've seen stuff uh, promoting flights from Edinburgh to Copenhagen for fourteen pounds each way. Oh, wow! You just told me about a trip you're going on to Italy. Is that right? Uh huh. Yeah, to Rome, yeah, yeah. and I, I got a, a a studio with a rooftop terrace. Oh. Nice. Just near the near the Vatican, and it was supposed to be like six hundred, and I got it for three sixty. Oh my gosh! So jealous. No way. Yeah, our world traveler, Yan. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. Okay, so let's talk about some shows. I think you. Oh, I went to Poland before. During, oh, before the, yeah. Since the last recap, I think that's right. Okay, so yeah. as as most I, people I know, I went back in. What was that? End of October, beginning of November, I think, or something like that, or end of September. I don't remember. Anyway, what? Tell me your trip. So I went to see my, I went to see my cousin, and all over there's anti-Putin graffiti, mm -hmm. uh, done in the Ukrainian colors, and uh, 
then we one of the things he likes doing is he likes going his wife works at the aqua park as a manager of the spa so he likes going in there so we went there a couple of times mm-hmm. europeans continental europeans have a much more dif- different attitude towards nudity yeah no clothes <laughs> than we do <laughs> you just walk into the spa and like yep. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we uh my family and i we traveled to the uh uh, Caribbean island of Curacao, which is mm. a Dutch-based island, and uh, yes, the the beaches there. The the European tourists had no problems whipping the ladies had no problems whipping off the top. As my thirteen-year-old son and his buddy were accompanying us, I'm like, okay, guys, be cool, be cool. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, yep. I go I go into the sauna, and this lady comes and sits down next to me, and just whoop, tile completely yeah. off. Uh-huh. Uh, Redhead Uh-oh. Yon? <laughs> oh, <no>. Sorry. Sorry <laughs> oh, it's great. I think I've my dad went to Norway on his mission, Mormon mission. So we grew up going to Norway a lot. I haven't been there since the time I'm about to tell you. I think I was I was probably in high school or maybe right after I graduated. I think it was right after we moved to England, actually. So 91. I was probably 18. We went to Norway. It was summertime. And uh, a big group of teenagers or whatever went to the beach and all the girls were topless and stuff, which was nice. But no, the downside is most of the time when you go to the beach, the people who are the women who are topless are not necessarily the ones you're super jazzed to see. It's usually a lot of like older, bigger ladies and their boobs are drooping and kind of hanging on their bellies. Hey, speak for yourself. Some some people. uh, (laughs) I think there's websites dedicated to (laughs) such (laughs) That's so true. I've, that's true. So I've heard. Yeah, not not to knock anyone's fetish out there. I'm just, uh, you know, in case you have this idyllic idea of what it, it looks like, it's not it's not all it's cracked up to be. I, I hope there's uh, <laughs> ladies out there looking for short guys with with beer guts because then I have a <laughs> give a gal some photos. Yan's single and he looks similar. So yeah, ladies out there, go go get Yan if you like that kind of thing. There we go. And he's sporting the goatee these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Uh, I caught, I actually, at a previous job, I actually caught somebody on the system logs looking at stuff they shouldn't have been during work hours. <laughs> so if anyone out there is, you know, checking on things they shouldn't on their work laptop and you ever wonder, no, no one's actually looking. Yan's the guy who's actually looking. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, I'll do a quick rundown of some shows. And I mentioned this um, because it took me a while to get back into the habit of going to concerts. I, um, for whatever reason, just, and it wasn't that I was scared of catching COVID. It's just, I had grown so, like all of us did, grown so used to staying home and not going anywhere that the thought of like having to get dressed and going to a show, it felt like too big of a shock to my system. But I counted, and I think I've been to 12 concerts since we last Oh. did this and i i i have to i have to admit i all but three of those i got into for free so being a podcaster is kind of fun in that way i have to admit can, can yan can you send me this audio because when john <laughs> messages me every three months and says he's ready to throw in the towel <laughs> and quit podcasting altogether i want to play him this I don't know, Andy. I'm getting awfully frustrated. I think I'm about ready to hang it up. Sorry, pal. 
can't, well, John. So, I know, I know. Whose name am I going to name drop on all these other podcasts? You've got a bunch of other people. You'll yeah. find someone. So, yeah, let's see. I hit Delamitri. That was like Yan did. That was yep. fantastic. Except I didn't get the Bison family opening. I got, I'm blanking on oh, his guitarist was the original guitarist of the Godfathers, who we had Pete Coyne on here from the Godfathers. I'm blanking on the guy's name. Chris, I would know it if you said it. Anyway, he plays guitar in Delamitri, so he was the opener. Fortunately, he didn't play any Godfather stuff. He just played like blues guitar. It was okay. But of course, Delamitri are great. Then there was the English beat, and uh, Dave Wakeling came through. As I've said before, I've seen them several times to the point where this is nothing against Dave, but I probably won't. I don't need to see them again for a few years because I've seen them six or seven times already. But I got to go hang out on Dave's bus. That was crazy. So my brother Steve came out for it, and I'm texting with Dave, and he's like, "Great." Uh, I told he said, "Tell me when you get here." So I did. He said, "Just tell the people to to let you on the bus in the back." I thought it was so interesting because just if anyone's never hung out in someone's tour bus, when I walked in, there was a, the driver wasn't there, but there was a packet of Chips Ahoy cookies in the driver's seat of the bus. And then I went in the back and Dave's back there and he's got a little, he's smoking a little bit of weed and on a big screen TV there, this kind of shocked me. He's watching a specials concert. Huh. And I thought, haven't you heard this music enough in your life? You either, you know, these people, you play similar stuff. You have to, you play ska music every day of your life. Wouldn't you want to watch something else? But no, he's watching a specials concert on the tour bus. And uh, I thought, wow, that is dedication. You know, you could be watching a movie. You could be watching anything else. And he's watching a specials concert. And so Dave isn't getting enough two-tone in his life. Is what I, yeah, it really honestly shocked me. I could not yeah. believe it. So we hung out for a while. It was really interesting. He was talking about how he thinks his bus driver is fleecing him. Uh, it's this, I learned this whole thing about how, like he rented the tour bus from whoever had the tour bus before him. And I can't remember now who it was, but the, the kind of the unspoken rule is whoever has the bus last is supposed to fill it up for the next band. To, and then so when, when the next band gets on the bus, they have a full tank of gas. And he was saying the new bus driver stopped for gas sooner than he thinks he should have and then overcharged them. And so he thinks he's getting fleeced for some gas money by the, by the driver. And it's interesting, the things they leave behind, like we didn't eat all these chips Ahoy. So there's chips Ahoy in the, in the cupboard, if you want them, that kind of stuff. You know, we, we emptied out the toilet, whatever. We took all of our porn and our movies and uh, <clears throat> just fascinating stuff. And then he was talking about how he's starting to get tinnitus and uh, that that's really frustrating, but he's getting it worked on and he's better now. And anyway, it's uh, and this reminds me, by the way, of something else I was going to mention. He's coming back through town on the Lost 80s live show in August and they're coming to Denver. And I've had just about everybody on that tour on the show. And um, Dave was kind enough to say, you know, just tell me, give me a heads up beforehand. And I'll put you on the list. So after we had 
Pete Byrne from the, from Naked Eyes on here last fall. Pete signed up to be one of our Patreon supporters. He's been donating five bucks a month. Pete Byrne of Naked Eyes. I don't know why he did that. He didn't have to do that. So he Pete Byrne emails me the other day and he's like, "Hey John, just so you know, I I um, I'm going in and cleaning up a bunch of my subscriptions and I'm going to shut off the Patreon if that's okay." And I was like, first of all, Pete, you didn't have to sign up in the first place." And secondly, you certainly didn't have to tell me when you decided to stop. Bless your heart for whatever. By all means, do whatever you need to do. And uh, he's like, great. You know, thanks again for that interview. So good. And I said, you know, you're the best. And I'm hoping to see you in August when you're here for Lost 80s. And he's like, oh, sure. Let me put you on the list. And so Pete Byrne put me on the list, too. So anyway, uh, it's just fun to be kind of, you know in the lives of these people that I really love. Uh, again, Ian, please send me this audio. You know, I was on Dave Wakeling's bus and he was bitching about, you know, <laughs> gas and, and <laughs> watching the specials concert for the 50th time. Eating <laughs> chips ahoy. Here's the world's tiniest violin. Yeah, I know. I know. I just get burnt out sometimes. Or what it is, is that I, uh, I go through a dry spot where I don't, I can't seem to get anybody that really excites me on the show. And I get really, really, really sick of my own voice, especially honestly, after episodes like this, where (laughs) I'm not interviewing somebody, I'm doing a lot of the talking and, um, tell me about it. Yeah. Tell me about it. So I get, I just am like, Oh, this is, I hate the, I hate the sound of my voice, but anyway, it, it works itself out. Well, as uh, tough as it uh, is on you to speak, you know, all of this in this episode, for poor Yan and I, we have to listen to it. So it's a reciprocal. I'm, I'm sure. For, I'm you sure bastard. Andy will even. I'm sure Andy will even. Yeah. I'm sure he will. Gosh. Uh, oh, yeah. Speaking, sorry to everyone out there. By the way, I forgot to ask Yan earlier. Yan, blink twice if you're okay. I know John keeps you up, you know, 24 hours a day editing all these episodes. So please blink twice if you're okay. Uh, uh, He's blinking. Show me on the doll where John hurts you when you don't get the episodes uploaded by 8 p.m. Central Time on Tuesdays. I have I have the little doll here on my my computer screen. Where does he put the cigarettes out on you? Oh, I now, can't I show you that one. I, now, I, I shouldn't be making fun of child abuse. Oh, but, that's so but funny. I, people want to know, Yan, if you're safe. And... Yeah. Oh, I'm good. Okay, I'm good. Kind of, an, kind of a night owl anyway. Yeah. So. And John, I know you've talked about you know your struggles with mental health over the pandemic here. Mm-hmm. Feel free to reach out if you ever have you know time you want to chat. And you. you you do the same, but please remember it's a six hour time difference. <laughs> so right. don't have any mental health crises <laughs> at. 6 a.m. your time. Because yes. that's midnight my time. Yeah. But feel free to reach out any other time. <laughs> I was uh, saying, I have an idea. I'll, I'll table this because I have an idea about that actually that I wanted to throw out to you guys. Okay. Uh, um, okay. So let's see. Let me run down the list here. Curtis Steigers came through town too. Nice. He was super nice. I felt a little bad. He did two shows in one night at a jazz club. And the first show uh, was packed. And the second show had 11 people in it and I was one of them. And so, um, I felt kind of bad for Curtis, but it was interesting because he had 
like the week before been opening for Van Morrison of all people in the UK. And a couple weeks after the show, I saw he was going to open for Barry Manilow in Europe. Mm -hmm. So the guy is fine. It's just this one particular show. I guess he hadn't been through Denver in many years and it got to where the, the crowd, so to speak, all 11 of us just started throwing out uh, requests. And my favorite song on his last album is tonight will be fine, which is a cover of Leonard Cohen. And so he was like, what should we play? And I said, tonight will be fine. And then he goes, Oh, I know you. And so he recognized who I was when I requested it. Cause I told him in the interview, I like that song. So afterwards we were catching up for a little while. And then um, after that was OMD. OMD was fantastic. They always are. They're one of the best and satisfying live bands there are. They just wrapped up a, a uh, an American tour. Um, okay, one other quick one. I flew to Vegas to see the Doobie Brothers. Finally, I'd never seen yeah. the Doobie Brothers before, and I'd been one of the reasons I I hadn't is because I was sort of holding out hope that I would see them with Michael McDonald. I wanted my first time to be the best experience it could be. They came through Denver with Michael when we when Fair and I were in Poland last fall, so I missed it. And they were doing a residency in Vegas. And I had been meaning to go visit my mom and spend some time with my mom down in Southern Utah. And so I worked it out where I flew into Vegas. I met my brother there. We went to the Doobie brothers and then we drove to St. George was about a hundred miles away. And I spent a few days with my mom there in St. George and the Doobie brothers show was exactly, exactly what I hoped it would be. It was so great. They played all the songs. Michael sounded good. Tom sounded good. Patrick sounded good. Beautiful venue. It was everything I hoped. And I, some people, some of our listeners, whenever they see the doobies, they'll text me or message me pictures of the show. Like Bill Elam, our buddy, has been oh, yeah. did that the other night, and uh, it's just great. I love the doobies. And I, you guys probably saw, I went on. I got invited by our friend Mike Wiles to go on his podcast to talk about yep. the Doobie Brothers. And I wanted to share the conversation with you guys, so I put it out in our feed too. Uh, it's out there with Retro Rock Roundup. Let's see. Then there was Tears for Fears of Garbage. That was hugely satisfying. That's one of the ones I did pay for. My buddy Santosh and I have been planning on going for months. After that, there was Jack White, which was probably in the top five best shows I've ever seen. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys. I loved the White Stripes. Yep. And I'd seen them a couple of times. I just started, I think, taking Jack for granted because um, I don't know. It's not, I mean, it's not that all of it sounds the same, but it's sort of, you kind of know what you're getting with a Jack White album. And so I sort of just stopped paying attention, not because I stopped liking Jack. It just didn't, wasn't top of mind. And some friends of ours had tickets and couldn't go. So they gave them to me and it was literally one of the best shows I've ever seen. Wow. So, yeah. Nice. Have you ever seen Jack White live? Either of you? I don't think no. either of you have. No. no okay. I, haven't. Um, I should say this too. <laughs> so one of our listeners is named Megan and she lives here in Denver. And um, she emailed me three or four years ago and was like, just so you know, I listened to your show. I live in Denver too. Whenever you talk about the concerts you go to almost every time I've been at that concert too. And so we always make sure to meet up now when we go to shows. And a lot of the times, because Farrah doesn't care about going to concerts, Megan's become my plus one. So she's kind of like my concert <laughs> wife to a lot of these things. So most of the shows, 
I either she already had a ticket, went by herself, yep. or she was my plus one to a lot of these. But anyway, um, yes, John, you are known to go to concerts by yourself. I That's I actually prefer it because, wow. well, I either want to go by myself or I want to go, go with someone who's going to enjoy themselves. And yep. Farah only really is interested in going to bands she knows she likes. And even then, not always. Madonna so, at Midnight. Yep. Madonna at Midnight. That's it. Yep. In fact, Madonna, she was going to go to OMD with me and um, looked at the set list. And there were a couple too many songs she didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. And so at the last minute, she changed her mind and didn't want to go, which turned into kind of a fight, actually. But anyway, it. Uh, yeah, I she don't just, have to worry about that one. No, you don't. You're good. <laughs> 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 so yeah i just don't if i don't want i don't want anyone harshing my mellow if you're not interested or you don't care or it's not your thing don't come on my account i'm gonna have a perfectly good time being there by myself and that's what's kind of nice about going with megan is she's sort of we like to say music she's down for whatever if she goes we can just have fun and if not that's fine too so nice yeah anyway and then there was everclear fastball and the nixons they came through town and uh joey from fastball put me on the list that was kind of fun i'd never seen well no i had seen everclear a couple of times but they were like openers for other bands or something so that was kind of fun there was also bleachers and wolf alice this is an interesting story i got an email one day out of the blue from someone i didn't know saying bleachers is coming through to red rocks jack antonoff is doing a an acoustic show and a q a before the Red Rocks, before the big show, are you? would you be interested in attending for free? And I was like, absolutely, I would be. I think what's happened is I think sometimes people Google like Denver media and I, my name might pop up. And so I get invited <laughs> to things like that sometimes now. Uh, turns out, long story short, I didn't, the acoustic thing didn't happen for me, but they did give me tickets to the show. So Georgia and I, Went and saw Bleachers. Do you listen to Bleachers? Do you know anything about them? I don't. All, so Jack Antonoff is a big-time producer, and Bleachers has been his... He was a member of Fun, that band Fun, that uh, had the big hit. Was it called We Are Young? I think it's what it's called. Anyway, oh, he's yeah. a big producer. Yeah. Great band. They broke up. They uh, he's a He dated Lena Dunham for a while, which is weird, but I think now he's married to somebody else. Anyway, <laughs> he's like a mini Springsteen but without the charisma or the songs that sounds like a knock. I don't mean for it too. the show had really great energy, but it just, it's like, I've seen Springsteen and you're no Springsteen. So <laughs> can he, can he sing? Sort of. He's trying. Yeah. I, um, well, he's better than Springsteen then. <laughs> you don't like Springsteen? <laughs> no. Oh, oh. Yan, you and I are going to get into it. You don't like Bruce. Nope. I wouldn't. Wow. I wouldn't go to him for a free concert. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Next time we're in the same room, yeah, and you and I are going to have a fight. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hot take. Well, maybe you would have loved it. I mean, it was at Red Rocks and the mountain was full of people that loved what he was doing, but I just thought you guys are so young. You don't know that everything he's doing is from the Springsteen playbook and Bruce nice. did it better. But anyway, it's not a knock. It's fine. Does he have a, a, bl- a big burly African-American saxophone player? No, but he did have a big white saxophone player oh, and he okay. wore a shirt with the sleeves cut off uh-huh. and um, played the same kind of guitar. And it was all like somebody trying to do born to run 
remakes. <laughs> and was I'm, he throwing I'm, Asbury Park <laughs> references into it? He is from New Jersey. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So that's, um, I'm being mean spirited. I don't mean to because the people there loved it, but it just wasn't for me. I did love Wolf Alice. So, and then I saw The Fix. They were great. I think Megan went with me to that one. Then there was Howard Jones and Mid Uh, Get this. I went with my wife's best friend to that one huh. on a date. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Farrah John, John's going on a lot more dates than Yan, and Yan's single. What's going it, it, on here? Howard was a true Mormon moment because on one arm, I had <laughs> my wife's best friend, and on the other arm, I had Megan. And so I was just in full-on Mormon mode that night. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Megan had her own ticket and I was good. I threw it out to my buddies, Jordan, my wife's best friend, her husband, Tim, we're all like best friends. We're the, we went to Disneyland together, went to Hawaii together. They're like family. And it, they were debating whether Tim or Jordan were going to go and Jordan wanted to go. So it was me and Jordan and Megan. And it was a great night. And then I'm lastly, learning way oh, too much ahead. about the Lamoureux lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, polyamorous, I think they say. Uh, I'm just kidding. All of this is a joke, obviously. And then FLDS. lastly, <laughs> FLDS is a totally different thing. Yeah, not exactly. that anyone oh, knows I, that. I watch Netflix documentaries. I know okay. what FLDS okay. means. Good, good. Thank you for watching with an open mind. There we go. And then uh, lastly was Craftwork. They came through uh, Red Rocks too. My buddy Dave, who I've done a couple of the book club episodes with, he and his son came out. We all went. It was pretty good. It was a little weird. They're four or five, I can't remember, very old men who s- just stood there in like Tron outfits. Remember the movie Tron back in the eighties? Oh, yeah. yeah. They were wearing outfits that looked like Tron and there was a screen behind them that you they were handing out 3D glasses and the screen was in 3D, but all of the music sounded, I don't know that it was pre-recorded, but it's all, you know, how craft work is. So no one's actually playing anything. They're just standing at keyboards, kind (laughs) of looking like they're, you know, pressing buttons every few seconds. And uh, it was kind of like going to see a laser show. Sure. Remember when you went to laser shows? It's like, this is kind of exciting. And then after a while, it's like, okay, I've, I've seen it. So Nothing against craft work. I just don't know if Red Rocks was the right venue for seeing that show. But I'm glad I went. So glad. Historic. It was great. Who'd you go to that show with? Dave, my buddy Dave, who did oh, the man. Dave Carruth, who did a couple of the book club. That was, uh, yeah. I kept it to the dudes that night. John, Dave you're expanding came, your horizons. I applaud hey, you. You know, I'll try anything. Um, that's not true, by the way. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it was uh, great. Day too much here. Yeah, let's. Let, <laughs> yeah, we don't. Uh, I don't they, need to. They're on the bucket list for me. Craft. They were on mine too. And so <laughs> when Dave bought these tickets months ago, I was so stoked. And it was a great night. It just. Um, I thought maybe it would be better to see them like in a theater or a museum. I don't know. It was fine. It was really, really a great show. It just um, was different than I, I felt like they could kind of do more. Maybe. Anyway. Okay. You, Andy, you've got a yep. show on here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, Mickey Dolan's now sadly the remaining monkey uh, and mostly lead singer. Uh, he played in Madison, Wisconsin back in April. So it was a podcaster uh, fuck fest. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, of course, you know, uh, Christine the Button Queen from Zilch and the Ken Mills Podcasting Empire, mm-hmm. or what's left of it, since he's yeah. now Monkeys Mania Radio mostly these days. Christine the Button Queen was there. We had uh, from the Pods and Sods Network, Craig Smith and his lovely girlfriend, uh, Megan Stemwade, who I finally got to meet in person. So that was awesome. very exciting. Um, we had a couple of just uh, non-podcasting friends there. Corey and Aubrey showed up. And then it was my brother, Greg, and I. And then, of course, it was Madison, Wisconsin. And our buddy, BJ Cramp, uh, met us for dinner. And he brought along his daughter, whose name I'm blanking Lydia. on. Lydia. And his wife, Ducky Cramp. So uh, my brother and I were at the far end of the table with the the cramps and uh, Ducky was a great gal. I I kept asking her how big of a cheap trick fan she was and she wouldn't, uh, she didn't really like, (laughs) she's not a a big a fan as BJ, who of course just got done writing his book. Um, So we all met for dinner. It was just podcast music nerdery Mm -hmm. times a hundred. Of course, everyone on the table was going around uh, giving me a hard time about my love for John Lamoureux and the hustle podcast, (laughs) which I must say, John being on the show here, it's a little weird that I can't name drop you on your own show (laughs) as I do. Well, (laughs) I just did, you know, John Lamoureux over at the hustle podcast does a great job. I hear he's a hell of a guy. Actually, uh, well, <laughs> kind of busy with the ladies these days. Yeah, he's, here, yeah, he's a little kinky, though, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, so it was uh, it was a great dinner. And then, you know, Craig Smith is working on his monkeys uh, anthology book about all the, the music. And then BJ, you know, we were asking him a question about his cheap trick book. So my brother, Greg, who has no clue about any of these people at the table and is trying to follow all the conversations going on. So later that night, when we got back to the hotel, he goes, oh, so when's BJ's monkeys book coming out? I'm like, no, 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 no. BJ's not the monkeys guy. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to put this puzzle back together. Yeah, he's, he's who's trying the to one writing the book and what's it about? I can't who's, remember. Who's Ken Mills? What? <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was a great time to find to meet up with everyone because I hadn't uh, meet up with everyone like that since uh, 2018 at the Rockin' Pod in Nashville. Um, and then the show was great. Mickey Dolan's, uh, you know, doing it alone now, now that Michael Nesmith's gone, but put yeah. on a very good show. I went, of course, as uh, dressed up as Austin Powers, which Craig Smith was, was very... <laughs> confused by but uh-huh. <laughs> you know when you go to a monkey show it's kind of like rocky horror picture you know yeah. people come you know the girls come in their mini skirts and white go-go boots and someone has a stupid green wool hat on a la michael nesmith or they wear the monkey man costumes or the button-up shirts and i had bought this austin powers costume years ago and i'm like well you know i want to dress up at a monkey show and I already have the stupid costume that I bought for 10 bucks. <laughs> so I just put on the little wig and the peace sign and the, nice. the velour smoking jacket and yeah. uh, the, whatever this thing's called the uh, Dickie or uh, yeah. Oh God. I, I'm blanking on what these are called. The white frilly. Yeah. Uh, the ruffle. Things. Yeah. Yeah. So and I saw I have the pictures. It looked great. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the best. Good. So. Right on. And then you, Yan, you talked about going to the armory show. I'm sad because you had to miss a show that you and I have been talking about for months the other yeah. night. Yeah. So, so since, since the last recap, I've gone to the killers. That was, so that was a Monday afternoon. I'm sat at my desk working away and I get a message from Chris. Slim. Like, Would you want to, can you leave early 
to go to the killers tonight. I'm like, what time? Heck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What time am I picking you up? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the killers and that that was awesome. So Andy, if you've if you've ever traveled in Europe at all, have you? Uh, I've just been to London in Europe. Okay. Yeah. So in, in the summertime here, it stays light pretty late. Yeah. Right. So it's getting to after 10 o'clock or thereabouts. And Brandon Flowers is like, does the sun, sun ever go down here? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but not for long. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. that, that was awesome. And there was, there was apparently he was, he was calling out somebody that was there with a sign that was periodically hanging it up and saying they wanted to drum. Hmm. And he said, if you're going to do this, you got to go all out, hold it up the whole time. And so the guy came back the next night with the same sign and he was there. <laughs> really? Up, and they pulled wow. him up out of the crowd and it made the news. So wow. They, they pulled him up to drum out of the crowd. And then later that week, I went with, was that Delamitri week? I can't remember. Hang on. No, that might have been Delamitri week. But okay. uh, uh, in fact, it was it was the same week as Delamitri. So before that, I went to the reschedule show for uh, Army Show, Big Country, and the Skids, and that was awesome. Mm, nice. and, uh, I originally bought tickets for Nicholas to go, and then the, when the show got Nicholas couldn't come, and then the show got rescheduled, so there was no way he would have made it for that. Mm -hmm. I took. Uh, I took Chris and my cousin Michael, who I do the, who I do a, a soccer podcast with, football mm -hmm. to everybody else, but soccer to you guys. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we went to that, and then also, what else have I got here? Um, I think Is that, that was it, to, except for yeah, I was supposed to go to Social Distortion Friday night, just gone, uh, down in London, and. I got allocated this this week for on call for work, and it's a uh, it's a five minute escalation period if if you get a call, and so I I couldn't take the risk of going, so I gave them to. There's a guy also called Chris that was my dad's technician when we first moved down to Cambridge, mm. and he's a big music nut, and said so I contacted him, said I've got these tickets, would you like them for free? <laughs> and wow. so he took he took him and went with with uh, somebody that was coming to to film him. He's a professor at a university in London and deals with uh, uh, mole rats a lot. <clears throat> works works with mole rats, and somebody was coming from Italy to film him about the mole rats. So he took my tickets, and the two of them went. <clears throat> and he he messaged me about one just around one a.m. Saturday morning and said. Great gig, loved it, <laughs> and it was packed. I it bet was, it was. Nice. It was so sad you didn't get to go. I've seen Social D a couple of times, and I love them, and they're one of your favorite bands. And mm -hmm. I was pretty jazzed for you, and then it didn't work out. Uh, I'll um, catch them again sometime. Yeah, tell me about the podcast real quick. We, uh, Andy, and I talked about it last time when you weren't here. Yeah, but put in a plug if anyone is interested. So. Obviously, I'm from Dunfermline. The local team 
is Dunfermline Athletic Football Club. And uh, my cousin Michael used to be the general manager. Hmm. Uh, but he still has ties in with like the former players association. And so what they've been doing is they've been doing some videos with former players, but they decided they want to do a podcast. And I Michael knew about my work here in the hustle and so he sent an email around to the guys that run the association introducing me and I gave them an overview of what I do and I talked about some of the work that we've had and us getting in the hall of fame with mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. zombies with the zombies yep and uh, so they they were pretty excited so I, I do that with them and I was looking for some music to to find as like a as a as a theme tune and I'd heard years ago this particular song when I was living in Wichita, actually. Mm. And I thought, oh, I like that song. Who, who wrote that? My cousin knew, knew who wrote it because it wasn't on the YouTube video that, mm. who, who it was. It was just the song. And I, my cousin knew who wrote it. He says, I think he's on Facebook. Right, okay, I'll do a search. And I uh, found the guy and messaged and it actually what it was actually him this particular uh, Stuart Miller was the one that wrote it crazy and, and he goes by sometimes goes by dusty and uh, you're listening to his song right now called common ground mm. and uh, so he did he he gave us permission to use his music and was, the one that he, he gave me to use is a remix version of his original, and it's it's really upbeat, peppy, and uh, it really fits fits jazzing up the podcast. And what we do is we talk to people who have played for Dunfermline Athletic previously, and talk to them about their life in in football, their life after football, what they do, what they do now. And we've had some. We had some good good ones. We had one guy who spent a lot of time uh, doing, I suppose, support type things. Mm. Tech support? Uh, no, almost almost like a, not mental health, but oh. along those along those lines. Okay. You know, hel helping people to mm -hmm. uh, with their challenges, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and just. I'm envious because I've always wanted to do this, but with the Utah Jazz, I've always wanted to have a podcast <laughs> where I talk to former jazz players and uh, I would need the time and I would need someone to produce it for me. Uh, Yan, and, can we clone you? I know. I know. <laughs> What's Nicholas doing? <laughs> Your son. <laughs> he's, he's working. Oh, let's see. He showed me his last his last timesheet 70 hours of regular time oh my and gosh. 80 oh my hours of time and a half where is okay. where does he do where does what? he work he's working for a events management company they so they did stuff like um liberal kansas they went and set up all the stuff for the fourth of july fireworks wow and they just they picked them all up and drove them out to liberal and they were out there for a few days huh. uh he set up for some high school graduations okay so, and then 
So he's he's, he's doing. Uh, last time I caught him on FaceTime, he was in the back of a truck. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> unloading the truck, getting ready for yeah. the next, the, the next. Right on. Thing. So, so he's he's working a lot. So, so he comes. Your, oh, sorry. He Let comes next finish. next Sunday. Oh, oh awesome. good. For how long? Seven weeks. Great. Oh, nice. Are you going to travel around? Uh huh. Europe. Yeah, we're going. This time we're going to do we're going to do some of the North Coast Five Hundred in Scotland. So we'll hit a lot of the turquoise beaches. You know, mm. with the we'll hit some of that. We'll do some stuff in Edinburgh because it's now this August is the Fringe Festival. Oh sure. So, so there's stuff on the whole month. We'll do some of that. So I'm working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the whole month of August. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the whole of August, I'm off Thursday, Friday. Nice. And then at the end of August, we'll go to Rome and then come back from Rome, go to to the Canary Islands, come yeah. back from the Canary Islands, Nicholas goes home and I go to Poland to pick mushrooms. Wow. <laughs> wow. What a life. John, mm-hmm. what are you paying yet? Uh, what does this hustle gig pay? Because I'm a volunteer. I don't get anything. <laughs> and now Peter Byrne turned off his uh, you know, know. subscription we're, for five bucks a month. Uh, we're going to have to scramble to get that five bucks back somehow. <laughs> so, folks, float. F- so, folks, please sign up. Five bucks a month. Set it and forget it. <laughs> you see, you want me to keep doing this, and yet you're just going to keep busting my balls. Is that it, Andy? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, real quick, let's move on to the uh, real quick. What pods have you been on lately, Andy? Uh, so, uh, said Madison Mickey Dolan show. I recapped that with Christine on Zilch. I finally made it to the the Ken Mills flagship for me, Good. and then I was just on the Cobras and Fire podcast where we uh sat around did a little day drinking and uh had a little too much whiskey i suggest uh, folks checking that out if they want to hear uh, a tipsy andy i got to uh name drop ducky cramp so nice. uh, i was glad to do that and then uh oh and then i met up with uh finally got to be on the with the linens on the permanent record yeah i'm jealous um, i love that. brian of course i'd already met when i had gone out to philadelphia but this time sarah joined us as well so it's nice to meet her via zoom <laughs> and uh, we talked about the smithereens because of course they went and saw them on the blow-up tour back in uh, well they saw them in 92 that part of that tour mm-hmm. and then i talked about uh seeing pat on my birthday in 2014 14 and then just recently here when uh, eric miller and i went and saw him in march so it was it was great uh they're really fun episode they're they're so much fun uh just because you know they're so knowledgeable but they're they're just such a fun couple to chat with anyways they totally are i agree um real quick i want to mention one thing this is a little odd but cathal cochlin i hope i'm even saying that name right passed away since we last did this and if that name rings a bell at all when we had Jackknife Lee on here earlier this year, he came on to promote a new music project he was doing with Cathal called Telefiche. And when I asked him about it, he ended up talking for like 45 minutes straight. And maybe two minutes of that was about Telefiche. The rest was about the rest of his career. It's still our biggest episode of the year. Uh, Cathal died recently. And I wanted to mention that because I have no idea. I don't know Cathal enough or what he did before. 
I know he was in some pretty big bands if you were in the UK, but I don't know them very well. And I don't know if he was sick. And I don't know if he was on the verge of death when I talked to Jackknife and Jackknife knew that. I have no idea. But I just think that that's really sad when someone like Jackknife Lee comes on to talk about this new project that he's really proud of. And months later, the his partner in that project passes away. I don't know what the circumstances were, but I wanted to mention huh. that. Sure. Kind of interesting. Um, okay, let's recap uh, the last three months. Some of these will have some fun stuff to talk about. Some of them are just, we'll just go by. Um, I wanted to pick it up. I think we left off with Dave Wakeling last time. So I was going to pick it up with the Talk Talk book, which I'm drawing, I'm picking a winner for that tonight or tomorrow, probably tomorrow morning when I'm back at my desk for work. Uh, I So here's the deal. I had, um, some of our listeners had contacted me to say, you should find out about this new book. Friend of the show, Brent, um, actually donated to the Kickstarter of this book in my name, which I didn't even know about. And so once the book was published, my name appears in this book somewhere. These book club episodes are are kind of fun, honestly, uh, because I hear about a book like listeners let me know about. Oh, wait. Okay. So I was talking about Brent. Okay. So Brent donates on my in my name to the completion of the book. My name is apparently in it. After I have the the um, author on, whose name I'm suddenly blanking. Uh, ben. Ben. That's right. Yep. Ben comes on. This is the only time I've done a book club episode without having read the book first. I always try to read the book first, but I had it hadn't come out yet. So Ben comes on. We do have this great conversation, and um, the publisher sends me this beautiful copy of the book. Well, I've been hanging on to that copy because Brent also ordered me a book as a gift. Thank you again, Brent. And um, I want to make sure I had both. So once I got the copy that was a gift from Brent, I could give away the other copy. So that I'll be picking a winner of that copy tomorrow morning and mailing it off sometime in the next week to whoever wins. And um, it's just been cool. It's been well, it's been good and bad. Um, the awesome thing is that I hear about a really good book coming out and I immediately just contact the author or, and authors are always anxious to talk about their books or the publisher or whatever. And they send me copies and they line it up and it's quick and easy. So just like that, I'm, I can talk to an author and get a copy of a really great book. The downside is that now I'm getting pitched books <laughs> all the time, which, and I feel really guilty because I've had to either say no, or there's honestly like a backlog. I mean, it takes me about a month or so to finish a book, I guess, maybe. And um, so I've got like five or six books now in a row that I need to read to have people on. And I just feel kind of guilty about that because I, I wish I could, I guess I don't have to read them first, but I want to, you know, yep. and um, especially a lot of these people are independent publishers. And so I, I want to support them. It's just getting harder and harder to get to them all. You know, I'm not a very fast reader. I don't have a lot of time to, you know, in fact, it's one of my favorite new things is Sundays after we get home from church around 11, I eat something real quick and then I get back in bed and I lay in bed and I read a book, whatever book I'm reading right then. And um, then once I start getting tired, I just doze off for a little while take a nap, nice Sunday afternoon nap. And when I wake up, I might pick back up the book 
It drives Farah crazy because she always wants to take a, na- a nap too after church. And we're both laying there and me turning pages or whatever is annoying her. So she can't sleep anymore. So she totally resents. So us doing this thing right now on Sunday afternoon, on the one hand, cuts into my new favorite alone time. But on the other hand, Farah is very grateful because she's upstairs taking a nap without me finally. So she's kind of glad about that. Does she have a nap husband? If you Ooh, have a constant good one. life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that. I don't need to know. Not that I'm aware of. That's a great idea. Okay. <laughs> someone to just monogamously have a, a nice uh, you a know, nap date. with. Yeah, someone who's nap not going to bug her like me. That's a great idea. Anyway. Rule number one, no page turning. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's it. So anyway, I'll listen to whoever I'm getting, uh, listening to whoever I'm about to interview on Spotify while I'm reading someone's book. And it's a good time to get in, you know, an hour or two of reading. Um, What did you, you had something to say about this, Andy, right? Oh, I was going to say what happened to the, well, for the deep dives? No, for the, well, for the, this book. Oh, for the book. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Oh, shoot. Hold on here. Oh yeah. I said, you didn't tell us where Ben was calling in from. So uh, I need to know, was he calling from his, uh, his English side estate or was he in Scotland? Is he in Edinburgh? And then, so the, the one, the, seriously, the one question I had is um, since he didn't get much help from the family or the inner circle, how much uh, was he able to give you about Mark? You know, how did he get all of the data? Yeah. I wondered that too. He, it was a lot of like, existing interviews and band members and friends and stuff like that. I, I'm curious myself. I haven't, as I said, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It's on my nightstand. I, um, I got to read BJ's book next and a couple <laughs> others. I've got a couple new books that to give away, yep. but I need to read them first. So there's a lot of that. Kenny Loggins just put out a new book. I'm trying to get him on. Mm. And I don't think I will, but his people are sending me his book. I'm trying to get the Doobie nice. Brothers just put out a book. Anyway, um, yeah, I I don't know. I thought that was odd, too, to be able to write this book without the help of, of insiders. Yeah. Yes, of true insiders. But I'm curious to see how it goes. Um, I just know it looks beautiful. He was a really great guy. Um, yep. That episode really took off. So apparently other people are as curious about all of this as I am. So well, it, it is a strange well. story, like you say, that you know Mark Hollis and Talk Talk are on this ride, and then it just kind of stops, and he's missing from the face of the planet. I know for the last what was it, fifteen twenty years of years his life? Or yeah, like that. yeah. I know to have gone that silent, a perfect silence, the name of the book, yeah. and so effectively, and to stay that way is truly shocking. So I'm really curious what the story is too. By the way, Yan, if you have anything to say about these, just insert yourself in there. Otherwise, I'll just move along. Oh, you know don't that. worry, I will. Yeah, okay. don't worry, I, I will. Okay, I figured. Uh, next up was Robin Guthrie from Cocteau Twins. This one was... Oh, I got mixed feelings about this one, honestly. I'd been trying to... I'd been pursuing Robin for a few years, and it had never worked out. And then it finally did when he had a new album to talk about. And I was warned ahead of time that he really first to talk about new stuff and i understand that i that happens a lot and i'm perfectly happy to it's like you know i'm, I'm not going to do 100 percent new stuff but i might do 50 50 or something like that i think that's fair you know yeah and so i made sure to catch up on all of his solo albums some of them i knew some i didn't and uh i went in really armed i felt with mostly a lot of new 
a lot of questions around his new stuff. He, whatever it was, it still wasn't quite enough. And he seemed to get visibly agitated over the course of not, you know, he's not yelling at me or anything, but he is, he's not holding back that he feels like it's too much Cocteau Twins talk. He's extremely sensitive, understandably, in talking about Liz Fraser. Uh, she's his ex-wife or ex-partner, at least they have a child together. Um, anything, anything that sounds remotely critical of her. There were some things that he asked to be taken out that to me and Yan didn't seem critical at all, but they just were talking about that period and he was worried about how they would sound. So yeah, I, just, I just wanted to play it on the safe side. Exactly. Huh. So I love their music and I think he's a revolutionary guitar player. I was a little bummed that I felt like I annoyed him and I tried really hard not to. Um, but I don't know what would have worked. I don't know that he, anything other than not talking about Cocteau Twins at all. And I was going to say, from what I recall, I mean, the first part of the interview was heavily solo work. And then I think it's, is it when you got to the Patreon questions? Yeah, they were all largely about Cocteau Twins, which is yeah. understandable. And I had some, yeah. I, you know, we don't have to get too deep into it. I want, but we got to bring it up. And yeah. that's when it seemed like he started to kind of get agitated about it. But I think, you know, with these guys, I think you do a good job usually of, like you said, like a 50-50, you know, I mean, come on, you, you've had this history for the last 40 years. We're exactly. not going to just simply, you know, whitewash it. over it. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I agree. They, he's Scottish. Yeah. Did you grow up at all listening to Cocteau Twins? A little bit. Yeah. Good okay. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one. No one has ever quite done what they do the way they do it. You know, the unintelligible lyrics, the shimmering guitar, the mixture of all of it. I mean, it's just, I was really excited to talk to him. I wish I could get Liz on here, but uh, it just made for kind of an awkward interview a little bit. Plus he was, he, he was not talking into a microphone and he was kind of, it was a little hard to make out what he was saying, a little hard to hear. I heard from some people anyway, sorry. Uh, after that was Brian O'Neill of the Bus Boys. So I'll let you in on something. I don't like to share this information because I always worry about how it makes the guest look. I get asked a lot. I always post like what our top downloaded episodes are and stuff like that because I get a lot. I hear from a lot of people. They like to see those kinds of numbers. They're all curious. Inevitably, someone asks. A few people ask what the lowest downloaded episode is, and I understand why people do that. They're, they. I would, I would love to tell you that. I don't always do that because I'm always afraid that it makes the guests look bad. In this case, other than bonus episodes, which don't get as much downloads as the Tuesday episodes. Sure. Unfortunately, Brian's was one of the lowest downloaded episodes of the year so far. And I don't really know why, other than maybe people don't know who he is or don't have any connection to the music. My, tell, you tell me, Andy, if I'm wrong about this. To me, if I can talk with a guest, not just about their music, but work in some Hollywood stories, like the guy who did the, from the Jack Mack and the Heart Attack, who did the voice yep. of Marty McFly during Back into the Future, I find stuff like that hugely fascinating. I mean, I grew oh, up yeah. watching, you know, I've seen 48 Hours, I don't know how many times, and Ghostbusters and Back to the Future. And to hear behind the scenes stories about that, as well as talk about music, that's like a double whammy to me. 
but I get the impression listeners don't find those two things as interesting as I do. Yeah, I, I think maybe the name recognition, because, you know, the Bus Boys, I didn't even know that was the name of the band. I mean, I obviously knew the song from Ghostbusters in 48 Hours, but, uh, you know, it didn't. I When you when you posted, I had to like, oh, who's this again? Yeah, yeah. So. But he's and, still tight friends with Eddie Murphy. And, oh, right. You know, and, and, and we yeah, it's so it's so difficult getting black guests on here and especially Americans. So I was really glad that we were able to do that. And I just worry that not enough people know it, so they don't check it out. I don't know. Yeah. I'm actually revealing his numbers, John, and they've come up a little bit since they the have, episode's they been have. out. They've a few leveled out now. a little bit. But. And and to be honest, I didn't uh, have a lot of time to promote this one because I did join, uh, as we've talked about, I'm in about 900 Facebook you groups. <laughs> so I did join some <laughs> Ghostbusters groups, and I just hadn't had time to to put those links out there Uh, as I had done with, you know, I joined about 10 back to the future groups and put out Jack Mack and the heart attack uh, a couple of years ago, whenever that was. But uh, for whatever reason, I think I was uh, busy with some work stuff that week and just never went back to it because week in week out, I'm pumping out those, uh, you are sharing those episode links. Yes, you are. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, yeah, you know, the only uh the thing I had said about this interview, John, was we just didn't really get much of a backstory from him because you guys were chatting and you go off about, you know, you live in Denver, and he's like, Oh, I know a guy from Denver. Oh, and mm. by the way, John, let's let's get a little more concise on your timeline of living in Denver. Because both with Brian O'Neill and uh Robin, I think it was Robin Guthrie, they're like, Oh, you live in Denver. How long you've lived there, John? Oh, I don't know, like 15, 16, 17 years. Come on, give me a number, John. Say Am I being too willy-nilly? Okay. Let's 15 see. to move on, brother. At this point, well, it's more than 15 because George is 15. I think it's closer to 17 now. Okay. And then my folks lived in Denver when I was in college. For a few years so i didn't officially live here but i did come home and work for a couple of summers so it gets a little fuzzy but yeah you're right i think farah and i have lived here for 17 years there we That's go okay john how long have you lived in denver i think it's close to 17 years andy does that really? sound right oh, yeah that sounds yeah that's a good okay. time period yeah okay um, it's interesting up. it's interesting i will <laughs> i will sir thank you for this cmo andy um It's interesting you mentioned the backstory, Andy, because that's something I think about that a lot. And to be completely honest, I don't always go there with people like, you know, when did you first pick up the guitar and when did you start your first band? And did you grow up with music? Were you in a musical family? I don't usually do that kind of stuff because one, I don't care as much. And two, I want to get right to the And yeah, or if like, if we, especially it goes back to starting out the way we stood out, I started out talking to more obscure people. Like, does anyone really care how this obscure guy first picked up a guitar? Don't we want to just talk about meeting Eddie Murphy and stuff like that? So I kind of skipped through that. Like if you read a rock star's biography, the whole first part about, you know, my parents came from this and my dad fought in the war and then they moved here and then they had my older brother and then they were poor. That's all the most boring part of those books, you know, yeah. mostly. And so I'm like, let's just skip to it and get to the meat. But it's interesting. But I worry when I listen to like Mark Marin or something and he does do those things. And I think, should I be spending more time in that? I think if I was talking to really super famous people that everyone knew, but maybe not their origin story, I would go there more often. But with these guys, 
It's like, there's not a lot of Brian O'Neill out there. Let's just go straight to the music. That's, I think my rationale, but you guys tell me, and I'm only, I'm not making excuses. I'm saying this because I'm curious if anyone out there thinks I'm doing it wrong. Please tell oh, me if you well, want more origin <laughs> stories. Please it's tell interviewing me. skills, John. There's really no right way or well, wrong way. But if, it, but I want to give the people but, I find I find going straight to the meat works yep. for me. But if you wish no that I spend more time huh? on, yeah, no, screw the foreplay. Who wants that? Let's get right to it. Um, no, <laughs> if you if you want more of that, tell me and I'll try and work it more in. My feeling <laughs> is like I have an hour with this guy. I've never once wondered when he picked up a guitar, but I did wonder what happened, what he was thinking when he wrote such and such, you know what sure, I mean? Sure. But was he from New York city or was he from San Francisco? I don't know. And like you said, there wasn't really, he's not a really well-known figure. So, so yeah. So you, we just don't really know where he came from. And then, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, we started in 1980 in LA and boom, we're off to the races. Mm-hmm. So that was the only thing I, about this episode I had noticed. Um, And I think you were right in the episode, you know, they're playing straight ahead rock and roll like Jack Mack and the heart attack. Mm -hmm. And you even said like, well, you're not funk, you're not disco, you're not R&B, you're straight ahead rock and roll. And where do you place a a black group like that in the Mm -hmm. 80s? Mm -hmm. I I know I've, uh, you know, I listened to uh, Questlove's podcast Mm -hmm. and he was talking about when the Roots got signed in 1994, they were the first black act on the label to play their own instruments since ready for the world of Oshila fame. Really? Ooh. Yeah. And, I, and Oh God, I should look it up here, but I don't have time. Um, <laughs> whatever the roots label was, you know, Sony or whatever, they had not had a black group that played instruments, at least, you know, on stage, uh, you know, and whatever that is almost mm-hmm. 10 years. No, I think that's a really good point. I think that's why you don't really know what to do with a band like the bus boys. Uh, back then especially yeah sure Uh, you know i think that one deserves more numbers i do too the guy was the guy was good yep and i hate to you know make this sound like well he was a very eloquent speaker for a Uh black man but no he was he he had a great voice and he had some interesting stories and that's why i feel bad that it like you said it just didn't take off me too I hope that's one thing I hear from a lot of people that when they hear these recaps, they go back and listen like, oh, you I skipped over such and such because I didn't think it'd be interesting. But after you guys talked about it, I got more interested. Hopefully Mark people Marin do that. had a better guess that week. So I skipped John's episode. <laughs> I understand. I get it. Anyway, I hope people rediscover that one. Brian's a really interesting guy. Um, okay. Next up. Oh, actually, some, and I, oh yeah. If, go ahead. If you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, why not? Go, go get it. No kidding. Why not? What's stopping you? And now I follow the Bus Boys Facebook page, and Brian is in the studio recording a new album. They are. And uh, he, had, he had a picture the other day of him playing uh, BW3 uh, or B3 Hammond organ. Mm-hmm. So, I saw oh, that too. Those yeah, are yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, uh, he t- we talked about that album. I think he'd only put, I think they'd only put out two singles by the, when we talked, but it's getting closer to completion. All right. Next up was Ann Wilson of Heart. So this was, uh, I mean, you can imagine I, that was kind of a dream interview. I only got her for 30 minutes. Um, it's difficult at that time. I mean, she had also talked to Pat Francis and a few of our other friends. I think Steve Cooper probably talked to her, if I remember correctly. Um, Steve and I usually, it's pretty incestuous between me and Steve going back and forth with our guests. 
But anyway, um, it's hard to really connect with somebody in that moment because you only get 30 minutes. It's an assembly line in their mind. They're doing like 10 of these, you know, from their home and they're going to get asked a lot of the same questions. Um, I tried to make it a little bit different. Um, I tried to connect with her. I hope that I did. Uh, Yan had to cut out a couple of things because I sounded a little sketch. I was asking her about uh, her tattoos because when we were talking, you can see a tattoo going down her arm. And it sounded a little bit like, is it appropriate for a guy to ask a girl about tattoos and where they are? And I didn't mean it that way, but the, of course, but the way it sounded was a little sketch. So Yan had to clean that up for me so I didn't sound like a skeevy weirdo. Thank you, Yan. Well, it didn't work, Yan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of which, Yan, do you have any tattoos? No, none. No? John, you probably have a couple. None. I, none? I hate tattoos. I hate none. to, and I feel bad saying that because I'm not, I don't mean that as in I'm judging anybody with a tattoo, but I can't think of a single person who looks better with tattoos than without i just i'm not a fan and the, the more popular they get the more kind of cliche it seems but anyway sure. i feel bad what about you don't either do you andy well no, well you know i can't have uh, any tattoos because i can't get buried in a jewish cemetery what if you have a tat if you have a tattoo you can't get buried in a jewish cemetery are you jewish well no but i don't need two things to keep me out <laughs> i mean the first one not being jewish <laughs> That's really going to affect, you know, my odds of getting in. But then to have a tattoo, I I mean, then it's all. Then you're screwed. Yeah, I have no chance at that point. Okay, I hadn't thought of that, Yan. If we ever want to be buried in a Jewish cemetery, we better never get a tattoo. That's right. Good to know. (laughs) Good to know. No kidding. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Information you need. There we go. Um. Anyway, yeah, she was she was great. I did get a little bit of flack from one of our listeners in particular that I um because she lived in Florida and the whole at that moment when I talked to her was at the height of the like DeSantis war on Disney kind of thing and I just asked her about it briefly and I did hear from some pe- one listener in particular especially like why do you have to bring up politics? Just for the record, I mean politics are in all of our lives, I get it. I personally try not to work. I don't go after politics in these interviews unless they bring it up or something they say is is like pertinent to a topic that's hot in the moment. I'm not, I purposely don't go, Hey, Ann, let's talk about politics for a minute. You know, I don't, I don't do that, but it did come up and it seemed like it fit. Maybe it didn't. Yeah. But anyway, so, and I do wish that they, I tried to convince her that heart eighties heart is awesome and she just won't listen and what's interesting to me is that if you listen to that she was saying how she didn't write the songs and so it's a matter of she has to like get into character to really sing them and she's not comfortable with that and i thought yeah but you put out like covers albums you know and so you have to get in character to sing the eurythmics missionary man or or love of my life from queen or something like that What's the difference? Why not sing the songs that were huge hits for you? You know, I'm really still confused, but the only thing I can think of is that they were just, that whole period was too traumatizing for them. And to sing it triggers it other than Nancy will sing um, these dreams. And I think that's about it. Wow. It's a shame. 
It is. Um, There's some really good material in there. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that one, she did a fantastic job on the vocals on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they did more, but they don't. And uh, I tried to do, I tried to convince her, but I didn't make it. Anyway, when that one was only a half hour, I had this interview with Jeff Bova. Um, but I knew that Jeff wasn't a name that like people might, I don't know if enough people knew who Jeff was. And so it seemed to make sense. This is what I've been doing lately is if I've got somebody who, but I don't, I don't get them for a full hour, then I might tie, I put them out with somebody else who, I don't know, might be less known or, or connected in some way. And it just made sense to put those both out. Jeff was a super nice guy, super great guy. What was interesting about Jeff's story was that for all the great work he's done with people like Cindy Lauper and Jim Steinman and meatloaf and, and all this kind of stuff, it almost seemed like he was like an observer. He was kind of as shocked as we were that like, Oh, I just happened to be in the, in the studio that day. And, (laughs) Cindy Lauper comes through and then Celine Dion comes through and then so-and-so comes through. And then I end up winning a Grammy because of it. And it's, right. it almost is like his career happened to him by being in the right place at the right time. And I just, people like that, just man, the luck, you know, it's like, good for you, Jeff Bova way to make that happen. You know, it's about half the equation, you know, it is luck yeah. and talent and being there at the right place, right time. And That's it. That, location, that location. Usually- that's usually what happens to me with my work. Really? Yeah. Well, it's got nothing to do with my skill set. It's everything to do with being at the right place at the right time. Like, oh yeah, okay. It's <laughs> kind of true. I'm in sales. Yeah. I can I can kind of understand how that goes. Sometimes when you're in sales, you just don't get in the way of a sale that's like just don't. Someone wants to buy something, just don't ruin it. You know, <laughs> that's kind of start, what you do. Start talking politics with them, Jen. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll do that first. <laughs> so what do you Actually, think about DeSantis? Yeah. I cover California, so I it's a fairly liberal place. I think I'd be okay in most cases, but uh, maybe not. Anyway. I, I did like how you opened up your interview with Anne, and you asked her about the coffee commercial from 1981. <laughs> <laughs> that was my earliest heart memory. No, no other interviewer is ever going to ask her about the Folgers commercial or whatever it was from 1981, John. Yeah. I, and the uh, guy from the San Francisco 49ers. No, the uh, Seattle, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Ken Bengals. Anderson. Yes. Oh, Ken Anderson. Yep. I know. <laughs> I, uh, I know. I was kind of proud of that one. And I purposely threw that out at the beginning just so that she would, I try, you know, if I can find an angle or something that's a little different than what they hear all the time. then that's what I go with, you know? Hey, when I was eight years old, I wanted to know who this heart band was because they were in this coffee commercial. That's exactly right. All right. That's, I, that's when I became aware there's, of heart. Like I said, there's no right way of interviewing John. You got your own, as David Wilde said, you have your own personal spin on these. So. That's right. For better or worse, I guess. That's right. Okay. And then you're busting my balls over here about, uh, her slow dancing in Japan. What is this? Well, you, uh, you know, you'd asked her how she knew the uh, George Michael or the Wham song. Uh-huh. Uh, God, different corner. Yeah, yep, different corner. And uh, she goes into the story about well, I was on the dance floor over in Japan, and then you know, I was with this guy, and then you're like, well, Ann, did you, did you get Close a little action that night or something? And <laughs> well, I felt like she led the horse to water, and I wanted to know, let's drink this. 
Let's get the answer to this story. Uh, John Lamoureux is going to ask, hey, did you get a little action that night, Ann, in 1985? See, let's find out from people. Would you rather I ask that question (laughs) or when she first picked up the guitar? I mean, come on. (laughs) You know, I try to get to the goods as quickly as I can. Okay. Um, okay. And you were a little gushy over her towards the end. You're like, Oh, you're you and Robert plant. And, uh, well, oh, God. I, I, yeah. And I, and I agree on this. She's yep. one of the greatest rock vocalists ever oh, yeah, male yeah. or female. Yeah. One of the no, best. I, get, I give it up for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the greatest rock vocalists. And I wanted to make sure I say that because first of all, she probably knows that. And secondly, I know that, I mean, she was inspired by the Robert plants of the world and stuff. That's what made her want to become. a. So to me, it's like, let me validate for you. Anne, that you are as good as the people who inspired you to be who you are. You know, sure. I just felt like I wanted to tell her that anyway. All right. So did you have anything else again or anything else to chuck in? I get why they, they might not like some of the stuff about the, that era, the eighties, it, Eighties, you know, the over commercialization and the the stuff they were made to wear, it probably didn't suit what they felt they should be about. But the music was killer. It was, it really was. I mean, you don't have to wear the bustiers when you sing the songs now. You can if you want, but you don't have to. Anyway, okay. Next up was Brinsley Schwartz. I thought this would be an interesting one. Um, I'm not the world's biggest pub rock fan, that kind of sound that Brinsley did in the original days. The band Brinsley Schwartz, not yep. the person. Um, and Dr. Feelgood and stuff, and early Clover and those kinds of bands. Obviously, I respect them because they were great musicians and Nick Lowe came from that world. But it's not exactly my thing, although I know Brinsley, the man, is a legend in his own little way. And I love Grant Parker, obviously, and he went to play with The Rumor for a while. So I thought, heck yeah, let's have Brinsley on here. And he was such a nice man. And I meant what I said. His new album, Tangled, is such a pleasant piece of work. I put that on and it immediately calms me down and relieves some anxiety. And I forget for a minute how messed up the world is because Tangled makes me feel better. It's really a beautiful piece of work. But one thing that was interesting about Brinsley, he has Shane McGowan's teeth. If that tells you anything. Shane McGowan from the Pogues. That's kind of how Brinsley's teeth looked. What what is it with you people in the UK, Dan, and your inability to keep your teeth straight and clean and nice? Jeez. Don't know. Well, you I'm la- you know that's a cliche, right? I mean, you know that people say that about the UK. But the, but for a lot well, there's a lot of it that's true though. Yeah. But Shane, Shane McGowan's had his done, so you're saying Brindley's got good teeth? No. <laughs> he has Shane's teeth from before Shane had them done. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, total sweetheart of a guy, but um, yeah, he has well, well, that very whole British fear teeth. Of, a whole fear of flying aspect of his career was fascinating. Like, yeah, just didn't couldn't get on the planes anymore so went to the guitar fix you know the uh, repair shop gig yeah it was like he caught the yips for 20 years or whatever it was you know so interesting what our minds do to us anyway yeah he was a great guy if you uh, go check out tangled if you get a chance because it was great i bought it i actually can't imagine not being able to fly oh 
I know. Oh, right. No. I know. You limit your possibilities so greatly by not flying. And I don't know. It's There's fewer plane crashes than there are car crashes. So, like, why be afraid of that? But anyway, I practically grew up on a plane, so it's easy for me to say. Well, I'd get in anything. Cessna, no problem. Mm-hmm. I've flown a Cessna. It's good fun. Mm. I can't understand in this day and age with all the famous people that die in the little planes and the little helicopters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I can understand some hesitation there. I've only ever been in one in a little plane once. My buddy Jason, who died a couple of years ago from brain cancer, he and I went to Belize on a vacation once. And we took a little puddle jumper plane to from one of the islands back to the mainland or whatever. That's the only time I've ever been in one of those little tiny planes. Have you ever been in one? You probably have, yeah, because you've worked for Learjet and all that kind of stuff, right? I actually, well, I'll tell this story. Yeah, I'll tell this story. <laughs> right, so, so coming up for my 40th birthday, I wanted flying lessons. Mm. Wow. All right. So negotiation tactic don't go straight for what you're after go outlandish and work your way back right Mm. so coming up for 40th birthday i want to go to do do the bull run in pamplona there you go (laughs) no (laughs) why not because we can't afford to go to spain we we're not all going to go i'll just go run and come back well, what if you get hurt? Well, they'll call you. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, how about I go to the the Kansas Speedway and do race around the track in a in a stock in a NASCAR stock car? How fast you be going? Oh, maybe 150, 160, 170. No. <laughs> But I've gone 140 on the in a regular car. Can I not do that around a track? No. All right. Can I have flying lessons then? Yes. Result. <laughs> You're listening to Negotiating Tactics with Jan Makevich. Oh, it's great. All right. Let's see. What was next? Oh, the Simple Minds book. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Graham, the author of that book. I wanted to mention, I I tried getting copies of it from the publisher and they claimed they mailed them to me a couple of different times and they, and they never arrived or I never got them, or they never actually did it. I don't know. And I eventually just gave up on it. I read the book on my phone because they'd sent me PDF (laughs) files, which is kind of a pain, but that's how it goes sometimes. Anyway, I love that. And Farah appreciated that it was a PDF. So she didn't have to hear your page rustling in bed. Very true. Actually, that's true. I love that conversation. I am endlessly fascinated by simple minds. And it was so nice to talk about it with someone who is also as fascinated as I am. And he, uh, bless his heart. When he tweeted something about the episode, he was saying that it was one of his favorite interviews to do because he it's rare that he gets to talk about them with someone in America, but I was really mm-hmm. glad. I um, So if you're remotely interested in Simple Minds, you've got to get your hands on this book. It's a great thing. And it really helped me understand that band much better than I had before. Um, and there's a they have a new album coming out in October. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that I'll finally get to talk with Jim Kerr about this. We'll see. 
they're playing in a couple of weeks in Edinburgh in Princess Street Gardens, and I was trying to talk my son into going. What did he say? He no, he doesn't like their stuff. Like, oh, <laughs> that's the that parenting right there. Yeah, come on yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, that's too bad. That's sold out, so I'm not seeing them. But well, Yan, you do your negotiation skills. You say, "Hey, (laughs) we can go see the Wiggles." No, no, I don't want to go see the Wiggles. Okay, we've already seen them twice. (laughs) The Wiggles. (laughs) I was just trying to think of some band, a teenager. Now, how old is Nicholas these days? Eighteen. Oh, he's 18. Yeah. So, yeah, I was trying to think of some band a teenager would absolutely say, forget that. (laughs) Apparently that band is Simple Minds. That's too bad. (laughs) It hurts. Anyway. okay. well, so then there was uh, Daryl DMC from Run DMC. Yes, that was a pretty good. So so let me let me a little behind the scenes here. That was I use that as our birthday episode. I always try to make our birthday guest someone who is really special or extra special um at this particular time everybody i was trying to line up that i thought would qualify was falling through it wasn't working out and i'm only telling the story because there's an interesting twist to it the best interview i had in my in the can with like days before our birthday episode came out was leo sayer and he's not that's he's not he's no chump or anything not exactly in keeping with like when I think of the hustle, I think of Leo Sayer, but it was a it was a good interview nonetheless. Well, Daryl worked out just a few days before, and uh, I loved him obviously, and he's so great in an interview because he's he goes right into the songs and he's really animated and he's talking openly about his mental health and his struggles and stuff like that. He is so great, and uh, so when that happened, I thought, okay, we got to bump Leo to the next week. We got to make DMC our happy birthday guest. What's interesting is that that episode didn't get down as many downloads as I thought either. And it kind of worries me because it's like, why are the two guests that are lagging behind a couple of like great black men, you know, American black men that put out some of legendary music, especially in the case of DMC. I'm lost by this. And I think, I would think our guests, our listenership, our audience would love to hear from DMC, especially in an interview as open and candid and wonderful as that one was. And for whatever reason, it was lagging behind. And Leo Sayer has several hundred more downloads than DMC does. And it just kind of breaks my heart a little bit. I mean, it has since caught up and it's fine. But at the moment, Andy, you and I were talking about this because we're both such huge fans. Like, how can this be? What is, why is this happening? <laughs> I know. And, and, you know, whenever it gets close to the birthday episode, you'll always message me and be like, Hey, I have, you know, these two, I could use as a birthday one. Which one do you think I should use? And I'm like, Oh, go with this one. And then usually I'm wrong. And it's the other episode <laughs> that outperforms it, <laughs> which uh, was in this case as well. But yeah, I, I don't understand why the, uh, the lack of numbers for DMC those first couple of weeks, you know, one thing is there's not a huge run DMC Facebook community mm-hmm. as surprising as that is on Facebook, but yet um, Leo has a huge Facebook group. I don't That's know true. if cause he's pulling from you know, Australia, the UK and everywhere in between, but I really had to search to find some places to post these episodes uh, for DMC, which yeah. I didn't think and he be doesn't, that hard. 
he's not super active on social media or anything. And that's true. I'm coming to terms with that, that probably half our guests never share the episodes. I used to rely heavily on that. And now I just, it's nice if it happens, I don't count on it or anything, but yeah. Um, and DMC yeah. does do a lot of podcast interviews. I he mean, does. I've heard him make the rounds as well. And, and actually, Leo's been kind of active as well now with the new album. Yeah. Uh, the Beatles cover project. Yeah. 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 But, I uh, was I was just kind of baffled by that. Um, but it was great to you especially contributed yeah. stories and questions. And it was really nice to be able to kind of share those with him. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, my elementary school where I went was, you know, in the it was in the middle of the Minneapolis housing projects in North Minneapolis, which is predominantly a black area. And I lived still live in Northeast Minneapolis, which was at that time a very predominantly white neighborhood. And we went over to the north side. Okay, now you have you know these white kids and black kids in the same classroom, but you need some sort of common ground to everyone to connect with so they can chat with one another. And and music was what I had found. So in 1982, 1983, 1984, that's Prince Michael Jackson and Run DMC. That's it. And that's how I, you know, formed bridges or, you know, connections with these other students. Yeah. So. That's great. International yeah. language. Exactly. What were you going to say, Yan? Yeah, but I thought you did a great job with DMC. Like you said, he, the guy's very open uh, with his mental health struggles and his addictions that he's faced. And it's very... Um, good to hear them discuss that and let people know that, you know, mental health is something that you need to talk about. Especially in the black community. Like I was talking about with him, they, from what I understand and hear and read, it's just not something people are open about depression, you know, manic depression, suicidal ideation, mental health, anxiety, whatever black men specifically do not talk about that kind of stuff. Well, I I think men in general though. Yes. I mean, probably in that community as well on yes. top of it. But I think us guys, we have a hard time talking about our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was surprised you didn't know the answer to one of his questions where you had asked him, you know, why was it the couple of years that took to follow up um, raising hell with tougher than leather. And I, I knew that cause I, I know their history, but it's fascinating because, you know, Russell Simmons was their manager, brother of Joe, Joe Simmons or Ron. Um, yeah. What had happened was Russell Simmons got them signed a profile, which was like a nothing dance label in New York in 1982 before Def Jam started. Mm. So 84, uh, Russell Simmons and um, Rick Rubin team up and create Def Jam, go on to have success with LL Cool J, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. By the time Run DMC hits with Raising Hell, they can see all the money that's to be made. And they're like, well, mm. why do we have run DMC on profile? Let's mm. get them off profile and onto Def Jam. So they essentially tried to put run DMC on strike and said, Hey, profile records. We're not going to give you another run DMC record oh. unless you get them off the label. And we want them over at Def Jam. So it was this kind of pissing contest okay. to see, you know, if they could sense. get them off the label and onto Def Jam, which is that why you sense. had that two-year hiatus. And and to tell you, John, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Mary Mary off the uh, Tougher Than Leather album, because as a Monkees fan, you know, in junior high, 1986, 1987, I got so much shit for liking the Monkees, really? right? <laughs> Fast forward a year or two, 
uh-huh. and those same assholes <laughs> that were mocking me for loving the monkeys a year or two prior are now walking down the uh, halls of Edison high school singing, Mary, Mary, why you bugging? That's right. Which Mary, Mary, of course is the monkeys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mary, Mary song. That's right. Uh, and I just, you know, the bitter irony of the situation, yes. you, you that mock poor Andy in 1986. Yet here in 1988, you're singing the damn song. You knew. You knew what was good. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back, Yan. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was to say, I, I wore their cassettes out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, totally wore out. Yeah. I don't understand why people still haven't picked up that interview. That's another one. If you haven't yeah. listened to it. Yep. Seriously, go listen to it. He was yeah. on the money. He yeah. was. He was great. He's so animated and uh, willing to share the stories. And- it's surreal too when I'm talking to him on Zoom, and he gets into his pose with his <laughs> with his mic, and then he goes into you know son of Byford, and he and he's doing it right in front of you, you know, on on Zoom. And I'm thinking, this is the guy who wrote these rhymes and these raps, and he's doing it right in front of me. That's why it didn't even make sense to put music in the episode. Who needs it? He's weaving in and out of these old classic songs on his own. It was so fun. So 13-year-old John Lamoureux couldn't talk to 49-year-old John Lamoureux. Just think of that conversation like, hey, buddy, guess what? In 2022, (laughs) you're going to talk to that guy. And you're going to talk about watching Friday night videos and doing the dance in Sandy, Utah with your buddy on Friday night. (laughs) I forgot about that. It's surreal. This whole thing is surreal sometimes. So let's, let's recap real quick here, John, uh, off the top of your head. So you have Graham Parker, Dave Wakeling and Daryl McDaniels right there. Three. I can think of off the top of my head. Any other childhood heroes that you just like, I cannot believe this. Well, there's tons. And I mean, most of them, to be honest, the, the crazy ones for me t- still are a lot of the more obscure, like one hit wonder guys, like Yan and I go into a pub in Glasgow with, uh, with Graham Skinner of Hipsway. Oh, yep, Hipsway. And I mean, it's little things like that. It sounds crazy, but I mean, I love that song, the honey thief, yep. but to think that years later, Yan and I are going to be hanging out in a pub with the lead singer of that one song, you know, I mean, I know they're not huge, but that almost makes it more interesting. Like this, these these little slivers and, and then Yan and I are walking back to our car, back to Yan's car afterwards. And we walk past the underground and there's a poster for an upcoming Hipsway concert (laughs) on the wall of the, of the underground. And we just, hung out we are leaving him in the pub right now and andy yeah. summers one of our other listeners is there hanging out with us too surreal right yeah well, so, and not only seeing the poster it's sold out yeah it's sold out <laughs> so i mean almost every i i i talked to steve lillywhite finally one of yeah. my favorite producers of all time and he and i talked for about an hour and a half and we only got through like half the stuff so we talked to again a few weeks later and now me and like Steve Lillywhite are friendly and I'm just, wow. I, can't, I can't believe it. It happens all the time. I've got stories with almost all these people. Right. Right. But the three I named, I can't think of anyone. No, those are the big ones, especially those, those of the last three. few years. Yeah. Those are, I mean, 
Glenn Tilbrook Brook of Squeeze is a huge oh, one yeah. for me, you know? Yeah. Of the recent ones, Dave Wakeling, that was, that was huge. And what's interesting is I, like I said, I, he's another one who's on a lot of podcasts. He's very generous with his time. I love him. And so I almost wasn't really pursuing him because whenever somebody goes on a lot of podcasts, I, I'm less interested, but it was so cathartic being able to just connect with Dave Wakeling for two hours, you know, sure, surreal. It is unreal. You you mentioned so. You mentioned Tilbrook. He's the only one out of the squeeze guys I haven't seen live. I need to fix that. Really? Wow. Yeah. wow. I haven't seen cool. Gilson or Jules because they never come over here. Hmm. Well, the one the one time I well, the first time I saw Gilson and Jules, that Chris Difford was the special guest. Mm. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. I mean, I still remember seeing the walk this way video in my, at my grandparents' house the very first time. And back then I didn't really, I'd heard of Aerosmith, but I didn't know anything really about Aerosmith. And I had grown up in the Bay area. One of my best friends, Scott St. Germain had moved to Boston and I had gone to Boston to visit him a couple of times and he had run DMC cassettes and he was explaining to me how great they were. And I was like, really? I don't, I'd never heard rap music before. It didn't register with me at all. And then I still remember the first time ever seeing that video on MTV yeah. and being blown away. It's just in all of it. It's incredible. My, at that point, my only connection with Aerosmith was Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High going, oh, I got your Aerosmith tickets. <laughs> really? Remember I didn't that? even remember yeah. that. No. Oh, yeah. It's in. Oh, it's well, in actually, probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen that. I've yeah. seen that movie a billion times. Yeah. Anyway, crazy. Um, my what we talked about that video is those shoes. Yeah, yes, yeah. the shoes. Yeah. Oh, oh, hold on a second. Ian, how do you pronounce those shoes in Scotland? What? The brand. The, the, oh, the, they're Adidas. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you co- I was watching a Run DMC documentary from uh, UK, and they were calling oh. it Adias. Mm. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, Run DMC broke through with their My Adias. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Adias? I'm like, I've never heard him called that ever. And it's like, it's always been my Adidas. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if the Germans call them Adidas. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I think I thought it was a UK special I was watching. It was on that Access TV network. Oh, sure. Um, And they do like a 30 minute, you know, behind the music kind of show. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was Adidas. And I was just like, how the hell could I have not known this? You guys are weird. You're aluminium and uh, it's all, it, none of it, none of it makes sense. It's winning at Scrabble. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's International cham- Scrabble Championship, we win. That's true. Okay, I'll keep it moving. Next up was Leo Sayer, total sweetheart of a guy. Um, we just talked, got done talking about him. I, he had been a, someone I had been trying to get for years. I really enjoyed talking with him. He was a really nice guy. I like his perspective. He understands that he's kind of been through it all and is still plugging away out there. He's a showbiz person. You know what I mean? You could see he's the type of guy that would like still have a residency in Reno or Vegas or something like that. He knows show business and he's still a part of that. And uh, I just loved him. And he still has the hair and he had great stories about Elvis and the Beatles and all that kind of stuff. I Oh, I loved everything about it. That Elvis story was amazing. Wasn't it? 
Last guy yeah. to talk to him. Yeah. yeah. Would never have guessed. Uh, um, seems, seemed like a great guy. He was. Okay, next up was Lenny K. This was an interesting one because uh, I get, I feel self-conscious whenever I talk to people who are new from New York, specifically that punk scene of the 70s. It probably goes back to my Richard Lloyd paranoia. But <laughs> I just, because I, I'm, I'm a white kid, white Mormon kid from Salt Lake City. I've had, yet I have a absolute love and fascination for that music, that time period, everything. But I'm always afraid that I'm going to sound like a ignorant white Mormon kid from Utah when I talk to these guys who are at the epicenter of New York City's like the center of the world. And at that point, you know, being, so anyway, I'm always afraid that I'm just not going to cut it. And so I over-prepare often for those interviews. And in his case, that book was so dense and so huge and it took me forever to read that book and um i just wanted it to be perfect and bless his heart he was so nice and we really connected and then he emailed me afterwards and thanked me for what a great interview it was and for my preparation and he didn't know that i felt any of those things so it was the thing i liken it to is um like cramming for your hardest class in college you know i really have to do well on this final and you're up late for weeks you know preparing and hoping for the best and then you get an a you know and it's such a good re relief that all that hard work paid off that's how it felt talking to lenny k on that episode i loved it he was such a good man yeah, um, i thought you did a great job uh you know, talking about the book, the first half, and yeah. really getting that, you know, dig into that uh, before you went to the Patty Smith and of course. Patty Smith. <laughs> well, and I, Patty. You know, I had worked so hard on that book. I wasn't going to just toss it off. I read the whole thing, you know, and yeah. gave a copy away and everything. Um, and he worked so hard on it, but it was, it was so fun to just connect with a guy who loves music, bottom line. And um, to get some of those stories. And I didn't tell him this. I only just started liking Patty the last few years. Before that, I just thought it was like weird poetry nonsense. You know, I really didn't get it until literally like within the last four years, maybe. And sure. uh, prior to that, I actively didn't like Patty Smith. And uh, I feel a little guilty because now I love her. Um, and at horses, especially, I understand, I know that it's the masterpiece that it is. And I get it now. I didn't before. So I felt a little bit like a poser talking to him, but I loved it. It was really great. Um, after that was John Doe and Roger Manning. This is another one. And this is not a case where Roger Manning, I didn't think was going to um, get was lesser than. And so I should, I should put those two together to uh, kind of boy up the numbers. I did it because they both had albums coming out. And it's really difficult when they, when you've got like 15 interviews in the can and 12 of them are people that have albums coming out within a few weeks of each other. And it's so difficult when it's once a week to get to all those people in a timely fashion. So this was one where I just thought I had to do something. And yeah, John Doe, I, he was another one, you know, punk sensibility, much tougher than me. I'm the white Mormon kid from Salt Lake. He's not. And uh, I was really nervous that he was going to be tough on me. And he was a little cranky because when he logged into Zoom, Zoom made him upgrade 
and I guess that happens sometimes. I don't know. And so when he finally got on, like 15, 20 minutes late, he was sort of on one, you know? And I was, so he became kind of the John Doe that I was worried that he would become. But I want to put in a plug. Our friends Ben Montgomery with and Wayne with Records Revisited, yep. John went on there and he was fantastic. And it was the, it, he was funny and engaging. And those guys were the perfect people to do that interview. So my interview was nowhere near as good as the one that they got on Records Revisited. Go check that one out. It was way better. And they go deep into the into the uh, Los Angeles album and everything. It was great. Either of you have any history with X or John Doe or Roger Manning, for that matter? I did not. Okay. It was good, okay. though. It was. Did you guys know Jellyfish back in the day, or was Roger completely new to you? No, it's hard to Jellyfish. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's they were like on 120 minutes back in the that day. That kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I thought that was really telling when Roger was talking about the difficulty of playing those things live. Like if he and the guys from Jellyfish wanted to regroup and tour, it's so cost prohibitive because their sound, the music is so elaborate that you would have to have like an orchestra there or numerous it would take nine or ten people to recreate the music on those albums that it's just not worth it. Maybe if they were a bigger band that sold millions and had a big budget, they could do that kind of thing. But since they weren't, they were a cult band, they couldn't. And I'd never, I never think about that. To me, it's like, everybody loves jellyfish. Just get back together, make some money, but it's too difficult. They couldn't do it. You know, not really, not to the level they want to. So anyway, and the licorice quartet are, Put, have put out some fantastic music if you like Queen and ELO and the Beatles and all that kind of stuff they're, they do a great job okay I'll move on to Graham Bonnet This I, Graham Bonnet just confuses the hell out of me because I don't believe that he likes the music he sings right. I really don't I mean was, who was he was he talking about Neil Sedaka or yes, Paul Anka yeah. or something at the end yeah, yeah. you know that in, in a if he had had his way, he would be a singer like Neil Sedaka or B.J. Thomas or yeah. um, one of these people that sing standards or whatever, you yeah. know, Engelbert Humperdinck. That's what Graham set out to do, I think. But instead, he fell into, thanks to Rainbow, fell into singing heavy metal. And he still puts out heavy metal albums. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't. The last album that they did was really good. But I just don't get the feeling like that's where his heart is. But he just does it as a paid gig, you know? And what is he, like 73? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. And I just think, you've been screeching and screaming for over 40 years now. Aren't you tired? You're still, you know, it's not a, it's a young man's game, heavy metal. Are you, are you sure this is what you want to do? But I guess it is. You know, if he had his brothers, he'd rather put out that Sinatra's cover album. Like yes. for the Tigers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what he would rather do. I really believe that. So yep. I just find him a real abnormality, but he was such a funny guy and so nice. And um, you can't see it because we were on Zoom, but he was in his backyard and he had the, the laptop down here. So it was kind of up looking up at him and it's just this gorgeous blue sky. He's got his slick back short hair and his shades on and a tight black t-shirt. And he just looks every bit like the Southern California older gentleman. Like he was made to live there all along, you know? It's exactly what you think of with Graham. But anyway, 
I just find him such an interesting guy because I just don't believe he, his heart is truly in what he does. But I could be completely wrong. I don't know. He doesn't mind cashing the checks is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. He knows. He knows where his audience is. It's interesting to me. Do you have any uh, history he, with Graham Bonnet at all, Jan? Uh, I love Rainbow. So yeah, yeah. Uh, especially the stuff that he did that yeah. right before the the eighties, the mm-hmm. late seventies. Yeah, the Down to Earth album and stuff. Yeah, so good. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and the the track that he did since you've been gone, the baseline on that is mm. killer. It is killer. Yeah, it is killer. It's so good. Uh, he's he's just an interesting guy. Next up was Cy Kernan and Stephen W. Taylor. This is one that I had been trying to work on for years. Cy and I have been emailing for three or four years about this. And he's a super nice guy, but he's kind of in his own world. And so he's not the most reliable. Or, reliable is probably the wrong word. He might get back to you. He might not. He might keep the appointment that he made. He might not. He might be in a in the mood to talk. He might not. I don't know. So he and I have been emailing forever. He's the, the fix is now handled by the lady who has hated me for years and wouldn't put t- me in touch with Howard Jones. So that was a challenge. However, um, she came through. She came through with Cy, and she has come through with Howard. That, uh, that interview will be coming out later in August, closer to the release of his new album. And so hopefully she likes me now. And she put me on the list. She got me to, to into Cy, the Fix's concert, into Howard's concert. She also handles uh, Tom Bailey with t- Thompson Twins, who I'm trying. And uh, I think she now handles Martin Fry and ABC. Ooh. That's another dream interview of mine. Yeah. So uh, I'm so glad that she, I think, likes me again because she has all the people that I want. So hopefully. But anyway, I was a little bummed that I didn't get like the full hour long on Zoom good sound experience that I was hoping for. It was a little more, you know, I think he was doing a few other interviews that day and I only had 45 minutes and all that kind of stuff. But it was still fine. He's a he's a super great guy. A u- totally unique fi- figure. When I Even when I saw him in concert, he would introduce a song and he would introduce it saying some philosophical stuff that I leaned over Megan with, was with me as well as my buddy Jeff was there with me and I leaned over to Megan and I said I can't tell if I'm not smart enough to understand what Cy is saying <laughs> or if he's just talking a lot of gibberish or that no one understands what Cy is saying I can't I can't figure it out but whatever it is he lives on his own planet and then uh, Stephen W. Taylor just seemed perfect that he produced the last album. As I said, I've been trying to get all the Stevens on here. Uh, I've got five of the seven uh, either out already or in the can. One more should be we're emailing, and one of them I can't get a hold of. <laughs> <laughs> I really love Cy Curran's publicist. She is the best ever. Well, she, she, I think, knows. I mean, she, I think we've made up. I hope we've made up anyway. But Anyway, so yeah, that was a great one too. Which well, one did you Keith, put? Okay, uh, Keith yeah. Emerson's story that uh, Stephen had was great. Uh, uh, that he even had to get his wife on the Zoom call to help him explain it. Isn't that wild? <laughs> great. Yeah, he was uh, such a gentleman. He was very. He was another one who was very careful with his words. Yep. Very careful with what he would say. Didn't want to disparage anybody. 
but he was such a sweetheart. And I purposely didn't his so much of his career has been attached to Rupert Hine. I didn't want him to. It's like, well, we already talked with Rupert about this album or that album. So I don't want you to feel like you have to do it again. But um, he was a real sweetheart of a guy and we've kept in touch, too. Next up was Mike Scott with the Waterboys, and that's one of our most popular episodes of the last few months, actually. I, he's another one that I had been trying to get on for years. He and I almost talked a few years ago. It didn't work out at the last second, but this time it did. I was nervous because they they have so many albums. They have like 25 different, 25 Waterboys albums. And I've probably listened to all of them, but I don't have them all memorized. But I do have the early stuff memorized. This is the C and the great classics from back in the day. And I don't know whether he wants to talk about that kind of stuff. I get the impression that he's prickly. And so I thought he probably doesn't. And yet that's what I want to talk about. That's why I kicked it off with that story with my sons liking the music when we're in the car. I'm hoping that warms him up. And it did. And then yep. it's I lucked out because he's working on this deluxe box set of this the C. And so he's all these stories and the songs are fresh in his mind because he's writing about them right now. So I lucked out that, again, here's another guy where I don't want to make it all about the classics, but I do want to talk about some of it. So we got to get into the good stuff from back in the day and he wasn't, he didn't get mad. And then I heard from somebody later, one of our listeners, blanking, anyway, one of our listeners knows him or knows somebody who knows him. And Mike had told that person that he loved our interview, so that's kind of huge, you know? It doesn't happen every day. Very anyway, nice. yeah, really worked out. He's great. I don't, you can't really go wrong with Hole of the Moon. That's still one of the most, like, beautiful and inspiring songs ever, you know? Yeah, I can't say I know much about their catalog, though. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind I of figured. a good episode to kind of give people a little uh, yeah. texture to their music. Or I figured. Career. That's true. And then their catalog is great, though. Yeah. It's huge. Really, really, it's worth a listen. Yeah. Well, especially so much of it is hyper is very influenced by Celtic music. And what's interesting is, as I said, his last few albums don't sound that way at all. They sound like him messing around with dance beats, is which is not something you would ever have thought Mike Scott of all people would do. Right. But he has. And uh, you know, it's interesting. He was talking about his expectations and hopes for this new album is to find syncs. Everything's about syncs, synchronizing the music with mm. being in a TV show or in a movie like the Kate Bush running up that hill phenomenon we're all yeah. happily living through right now. And I just thought, I wish that is like one of the dreams I have. There's Hustle Fest. And then there's also, um, I wish that I was the guy who could place songs in movies and TV shows and commercials and stuff. Because especially now that I know a lot of these people, I yeah. would love to throw a little mailbox money their way once in a while and just try to help. So if anyone oh, yeah. out there wants to give me that job and career, I would take it. I'll do Tell it. your buddy Tarquin Gotch. I should. Ooh, that's a yeah. good idea. That's a good Maybe idea. Maybe he could uh, introduce you to Kelly LeBrock as well. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Maybe I could take her out. Me and Steven Seagal date the same. <laughs> what am I talking about? I'm a happily married man but that would be interesting bit like hang out with somebody who had been married to steven seagal what yes. a loser that guy is anyway um so yeah yeah and you you're you have some history with the water boys right 
Uh, I like their stuff. I, I mean, I don't have much of their catalog, but I've I've heard quite a bit of it, and it's good. Of course, yeah, of course. That's good. Doing your stuff. Celtic Celtic connections. Um, well, I listen to anything. That's true. Yeah. That's why this works because Yan's down for pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, okay, one more book club: the Exit Stage Left book. It's another one with Nick Durden, and he's been going on a lot of other interviews too. Um, so I, in a way, it feels a little bit like kind of swimming with the bigger sharks with him because, like, he went on uh, "Word in Your Ear" with David Hepworth and uh, Mark Ellen, which is a really popular British uh, podcast. Anyway, that's another one where several people told me this book sounds really good, sounds just like your podcast, including Farah. I didn't even read the whole article. I just saw what the book was about and I thought, oh, this is tailor-made. I fired off an email to him and immediately it happened. And they, it's, that, that is some power that is kind of intoxicating, I have to admit. You know, I see something that interests me. I think, oh, this makes sense for the podcast. Let's get them on. And sure enough, it happens within minutes. You know, it's just great. So uh, that is literally one of the most enjoyable music books I've ever read, especially of the last year or however long we've been doing these. It, yeah. it just speaks directly to what the focus of this podcast was, still is in some ways. Um, you know, how do these people make a living? And so we had a little bit of like a mutual admiration society on that episode. It was a lot of fun. Now, uh, I told you I was in the running because, you know, I am a Patreon supporter, John. And did uh, who who ended up winning this book or haven't you drawn for it yet? No, I did. Yeah. Kevin Wench won <sighs> a book and who won the other one. Oh, I think it was a guy named Dan Phillips, if I remember right. So here's what I do. In fact, I can share my screen. Listeners can't can't see this, but uh, random name picker. Is that the one? Yes. OK, so here I'm going to share my screen. All right. Okay, so this is what I do. You can see yep. here there's a name. In fact, this was probably, yeah, these are all the people who wanted the last book. The names are still in here. Okay. So I go to this wheelofnames.com, and it's this color wheel, and I just type in everyone who requested the book or the CD or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, then I click, and in this case, it was three, four, five, six, Seven plus Kevin Wench and Dan. I think I took them out because when you win, they take you off the list. So there were nine people who wanted this book mm-hmm. and I hit click the name, click the thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It spins. Oh, almost you. Uh, it was would have been Brian this time. Brian would have won. Brian Warrengarten. But unfortunately, we've already picked winners. So this is what well, I will do. Yeah. When uh, for the talk talk book, so so John, can't you be like the Secretary of State in Georgia for Trump and find me some more Andes on that colored wheel there, buddy? Uh, I was hoping to win this book, you son of a now I'm gonna have to go buy it. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I haven't rigged, I haven't rigged it's not a stop the steal situation. I uh I try really hard not to rig these. Okay. Well, I, I'm definitely going to have to buy this book. I was waiting to see if I was going to win it I first, know. but uh, it sounded fascinating. And the fact that he got Natalie Merchant yes, uh, to talk to him. Yes. Because uh, I'm curious to watch, hear what she had to say. 
she was, I am shocked that he got her because I've wanted her forever and I just never hear interviews with her. And so the fact that he spoke, she spoke to him says a lot. I want to talk to her too. Um, He and I, he's going to, he helped me actually get in contact with somebody who's going to be on the show in September. So anyway, um, great book. Next up, Steve Levine. We only have a couple of these left, by the way. Steve Levine, another producer, another one of the Steves. Uh, he, I just loved his enthusiasm. He was so funny. I don't even know if I can describe this unless if you're one of the listeners. He would talk like this. So he's got his arms up <laughs> kind of over his head, you know. Yep. Oh, let's see. Oh, when Boy George came in. Oh, it was so funny, the thing he did. And then we went over and we did this. And then when I had China Crisis on, and he's just... If you imagine putting your hand, like sitting back in a chair with your hands behind your head, he's like that, only he's kind of putting his hand in his elbow. And uh, like he's kind stretching of like, out his forearm or something. Yes, yeah. he's just stretching out completely. Oh, when we did Quarter Flash, that was so much fun. And when we talked to Brian Wilson, and he's just so like loose and stretchy and animated and enthused the whole time. It was great. He was so much fun. Oh, yeah, he was a great guest. Um, oh, and John, you forgot to mention, you were on uh, the Sly Dog podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian I Lennon did. talking about Culture Club. That's right. Thank you, Andy, for the reminder. Yeah. So our buddy Alex Alt uh, invited me to come on his podcast, Sly Dog Music Cast. And um, he and I did a big deep dive of Joe Jackson. I think it was a year or two ago. And he invited me to come back on to talk about Culture Club. And Brian Lennon is one of the Culture Club experts, so I said we got to get include Brian on this. And uh, that was—it's always so much fun to be able to go on someone else's show and talk about that kind of stuff. Also, recently I went on our buddy Nick Bamback's episode, uh, "Rock in Retrospect," to make a case. We did it with our with our friend Hayden Murdoch of the In Excess Access All Areas podcast. Because Hayden and I went on there to make a case why NXS belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. That one has not come out yet. It'll, I don't know when it will. Nick's going through a lot. and Not bad stuff. He's moving, starting a new job. So a- um, Andy Ferris can get into the Hall of Fame as well? Uh, I'm okay with Andrew Ferris being in there. I do have some issues with John Ferris these days. Oh, John Ferris. Yes, oh, it was John Ferris. John Ferris is the truth, truth social lover. And uh, that is concerning. Very much disappointing so. disappointing that's it but anyway um okay let's oh, see as a, band, oh, yeah. they need, as a band they need to be in though i oh, yeah. totally agree in excess absolutely well i think they deserve they need more respect and credit all the way around let alone in the hall of fame i just feel like they this is something hayden and i talked about i feel like they get relegated to an 80s band and they're not not that there's anything okay. wrong with that but they, they were, they weren't much of an '80s band when they were in the '80s. They don't, their songs don't sound dated. They elevated yeah. the form very much so at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, go back to Steve. Uh, it is interesting though when, and especially with the uh, you being on the Slide Dog Music Cast, Culture Club came in burning hot and sustained it for the first two, th- third album, and it's starting to go. Uh, but just burned, like I said, white hot. I mean, yeah. time, oh, such a good song. Such a good song. It's yeah. interesting you say that, Andy, because that, I think it was maybe Brian who mentioned that on the 
episode. And I hadn't really thought of that. Boy George has been so omnipresent since yeah. they originally came out that you can't really think of a time when he wasn't out there in the culture somewhere, you know, at least as a name that everyone knew. I mean, he's a household name, you know, I mean, the guy was on the 18 for crying out loud. He was, I remember seeing him on the tonight show with John, with uh, Johnny Carson a few times, you know? Yep. And, uh, and so there, he has never been far from our memory. And yet, yeah, the white hotness of their career, the peak lasted yeah. th- two and a half years, maybe, Yeah, you know, that's it. It's kind of interesting the people we hold on to as cultural figures and for how long and why and everything, but they're great. Okay. Real quick. I'll burn through a couple of these Dino, the dinosaur junior documentary. That was, um, there's a story there. I, I like dinosaur junior. I'm not an expert. I did a deep dive of them. By the way, you asked about deep dives. We'll get to that in a second here, Andy. I did a deep dive as I often do. Like, let me hear every album by this artist in order. And I like and respect it, but it's not the kind of music that I go back to as often. So I was approached about having their director on a couple of months ago because the premiere of the movie was at the end of May. And Dave Carruth, who I mentioned earlier, who I've done some of the book clubs with and went to craft work with, he's a huge Dinosaur Jr. fan. And I thought, well, great. Let's get Dave and I. We'll talk, we'll talk to the director of the movie. That's something different, slightly out of our comfort zone. And who doesn't? They send you a link. Like if you want to, see, the movie hasn't come out yet, but here it is. Yeah. You can watch it ahead of time. And this is the password. And I'm like, who doesn't want to be a part of all that? You know, seeing a movie before it comes out. Heck yeah, send it over. So they did. And I watched it. And then we couldn't get it to work timing wise with the director before the premiere. And so I thought, well, I guess this never happened. Uh, I guess it's not going to happen. So I just forgot about it. A few weeks later, the publicist comes to me and she's like, look, I, it was my fault. We dropped the ball on this. I'm really sorry. The movie is now on streaming services. Is there any way you'd be willing to do this? And my thinking was, I really mostly agreed to do this in the first place because I wanted Dave Carruth to do it with me because it's Dave is the big fan. Well, Dave's family is on a trip in through the UK for the month of June. So he's no longer available to do this interview with me. It's just going to be me. And I am not the expert on Dinosaur Jr. that he is. He can talk passionately about this stuff. And I can sort of do that, but not as much as I would have liked. But the timing worked out where Dave wasn't going to be available. So I just did it myself. And it's... Got not gotten a ton of downloads, and I understand it's either I don't know that anyone, if you don't care about Dinosaur Jr., you probably wouldn't sure. care about the conversation. It was just to, I always like, I think of, I see this as like, you know, how big is the ripple effect of the, of the podcast and rippling out a, you know, a wave that extends to Dinosaur Jr. is just makes us that much more diverse or that much more interesting or covers just that much more territory. In fact, the next episode I'm going to talk about is in keeping with this. We're just expanding the umbrella of what the, um, what the hustle is just a little bit more with some of these people. You know what I mean? I don't want to just be the eighties. I don't want to just be British alternative music. I want to kind of expand the umbrella or artists that are huge in Salt Lake city. That's another one. Although I, I will say people seem to really like to hear the stories of Salt Lake City. So I'm starting to ask everybody if I remember to do it anyway. What, like, do you have a Salt Lake City story for me? Roger Manning from yeah. Jellyfish had like the best Salt Lake City, City stories ever. 
and the guy, the lead singer of the Connells, who almost got arrested for having cough medicine because they thought it was drugs. These these are stories you're only going to hear about Salt Lake City folks. Was it so, Stephen W. Uh, Tyler that you said uh, you asked about Howard Johnson? He's like, oh yeah, he's huge in Salt Lake. Yes, yes, <laughs> that was, he knew it. Yeah, because he had worked closely with Howard too. Every yeah. time I mention that to someone, there before I say anything, oh yes, he's huge over there. Who knows why? You'll find out in a little while because Howard and I talked about it. But anyway, nice. You finally yeah. you get to the source. Goes finally straight got to the to horse's the mouth. Yeah. Finally got to the source. Uh, okay, last one, real quick. Uh, Pete Agnew from Nazareth and John Payne from Asia. This is another one where um, I only got Pete for like forty-five minutes, and um, I did that one for you, Yan. I mean, uh, not just for you, okay. but mostly for you because Nazareth are from Dunfermline, and we've talked about. Nazareth for the whole time of doing this you have family members that know them friends that know them and I it finally came up where I had the opportunity to talk to Pete so I jumped on it I've actually got friends that opened for them yeah wow. yeah. yeah back back in the day when they were the the Shadets before they became before so when they were the Shadets they were more of a bit of a cover brand but so one of one of my family friends opened for them in the I think it was in the the Kinema Ballroom. I think. Really? Okay. It might have been there because they they often played in there. So crazy. Yeah. So yeah, one it, sec. Yeah, yeah. What was that it? was for you. That was particularly good. So 2015, when I took my dad to to see Big Country in Nazareth at the football stadium. We actually ended up, so we got there early, so we're right at the front, and where we ended up was right where Pete was when he came out and played, so we were right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice. awesome. Yeah. And just to, to fill in the, the history there, my dad was at school with the original guitarist, Manny Charlton. He was at school with her, his sister. Uh, I also worked with Manny's brother Brian during the summers. Family friend Jim Brown, he's on my Facebook friends list. He was in a band that opened for Nazareth, and then my uncle Mike was friend was friends up until up until the day Mike died with Tam, the stage stage manager. Mm-hmm. Huh. By well, the way, you said they have a, a exhibit at the library. Yeah, yeah, they do. So there's some Nazareth stuff in the library. There's big country stuff in the library. Nice. Uh, yeah. By the way, I while we're sitting here talking, uh, my phone flashed, and the lead singer of Off Broadway, Cliff Johnson, just died this morning. And I only mention that because John Pasden, who's the bass player of Off Broadway, came on the show in the earlier days and it's still one of my favorite guests we've ever had. And he and I have stayed in touch. And, uh, so it's kind of breaking news. That's kind of sad. And the, one of the other guys from Nazareth died in between the time yeah. Pete and I talked and now, right. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, that was one. I only had him for about 45 minutes and, uh, I, and then the John Payne one, I really thought the John Payne story Apparently, there's more to this story that he 
about how he got the name. And I think there might be some regrets uh, involved on people who are in Asia. Maybe they shouldn't have given him the name or maybe they were drunk or maybe something like that. But anyway, I thought it just made, I had had John Payne's episode sitting around for a while because I was holding on to it until their tour started. And uh, by then it just made sense to put those two together because they were similar and the timing worked out. But uh, the John Payne story is very weird because yeah. in my Facebook group uh, that I found for Asia, they were very specific. Like, well, we're a pre John Payne mm. Facebook group for Asia. There are other ones that are John Payne friendly. Uh, so there was a clear delineation <laughs> of uh, which version of the band you could talk about. And it even said that in their group rules. Like we only uh, I forget what was the original singer's name? Um, John Wetton. John Wetton, yeah. yeah. We only talk about the John Wettner. Forget about anything post. No way. So no way. Yeah, there's I it can't be that simple. I mean, you've he travels and tours as John Payne of Asia. Yeah. And um, like how can you do that? You know, there has to be some. I think that he got to do that because somebody somewhere made a business decision that they regret and they may have been drunk when they did it. I think that's how. <laughs> Sure, but I'm really happy for him. He was a super nice guy, and uh, he lives in Vegas. And I was bummed. I tried to get in touch with him when my brother and I were in Vegas for the Doobie Brothers show, but I didn't hear back from him. We were going to try and meet up while I was down there. But anyway, um, I thought his story especially was interesting, and Pete was just a super nice guy. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. That's pretty much it. Those are all the episodes. I feel like we've been talking a lot, or I have, and that's why yeah. I. Get burnt fun, out on podcasting because I hate the sound of my own voice. What were you going to say, Yan? The fun thing, and and is John always sends me either files or links to the music. Yeah, and for the Nazareth one, I said no links needed. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I got some unreleased concert footage I can send you. John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yan didn't need any help with that one. He had all the music already. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's cool. All right, real quick. Um, you were and- asked. Oh yeah, and that concert I went to in 2015, Dan had already retired from live performances, mm. so I thought, no, never gonna, never gonna see him sing. Wrong. He came out for uh, "Broken Down Angel," the last song. Really? Of the album. Yeah. Ooh, the that's good. Went, the playlist yeah. went nuts. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a boon. That's not gonna happen again. Nope. Um, okay, real quick, we had some listener questions, uh, only a couple of them. Andrew Jacobs wants to know where the hell is your podcast, Andy Shaw. <clears throat> Next question. <laughs> um, you know, and Eric Miller had the same question when uh, I was out in Philadelphia in March. It's just a lot of family stuff. Uh, I mean, this is hard. I don't know how you guys do this. Uh, it's I mean, my John, second job, basically. I was just going to say, John, you're talking about reading books on a Sunday afternoon. Plus, I know all this music that you're, you know, dissecting and deep diving all the time. Um, like at my job on Friday, I was going to listen to some of these episodes because I always re-listen to the episodes when I come on to do these quarterly summaries. And a lady showed up in my office and sat, you know, in the cubicle next to me. And I'm like, there's like 800 cubicles here that are empty. <laughs> Why are you sitting right next to me? <laughs> like, I want to play my shit out loud here right. and listen to because it's great. That's on Monday, why. 
Because <laughs> right. I go I go to my office five days a week because it's only 15 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. It's a nicer setup there at the office than what I have in my house. Plus, I was eating way too much uh, ice cream at my house because sure. our chest freezer is just outside my office door here. Got it. So uh, nice. I, I, I drive my 15 minutes to work. I talk to the security guard on Mondays and Fridays. There's like 50 people in the entire building that can hold like 1500. Yeah. And I take my shoes off and I walk around in my socks and I play my music and I can eat at my desk and not offend yeah. anyone with the smell of onions in my right. lunch or whatever. Right. And this lady chooses to sit right next to me. Oh, come on. And it's not like we were chatting the whole time because she's on phone calls most of the day. And so uh, I'm like, we talk 10 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the <laughs> afternoon. And for the other seven and a half hours, just we're in the same space. Come on. Yeah. So that's I don't like know how you, you go can, to a, That's yeah. like when you go to a big empty bathroom and the guy <laughs> goes to the urinal next to you. Yes. It's like there's 20 urinals yeah, here a, and you got to stand next to me. Come on. Yeah. That, that's a no-no. That's yeah. a big no-no. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Yeah, I know. So yeah, I just between work and family stuff, I like I said, I don't know how you guys do this. Um plus uh, for me, I don't have a yam. Yeah, I, I well, need a yam in my life. We all do. Yan's, yan, yan's yan, the only way this works. <laughs> yan, just between you and me, John says he doesn't want to do this podcast that much anymore. He's been kind of talking about quitting. I'm not saying you know you should leave him right now, but think about the future, buddy. Let's let's go, Yan. I'll just pile it on. I'll take them all. <laughs> Probably will too. No, These uh, I think the you free work and the to like, death already, John. I know the live ones that I do where I don't do any editing. Yep. Yan's always like, "Why don't you just send them to me? Let me edit them." And I'm like, "I'm not putting more on your plate, man. You know, I I don't want to do that to you. I mean, he's, well, come on, yeah. it's no big deal. It's like, well, I don't want to. I don't well, want to. Once Nicholas comes like to that. town, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, it's going to be rough going for the next few weeks because. Oh no! I'll 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 stick him in front of the Mac Pro. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Father and son editing time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got a two-part Steve Lillywhite thing coming up in a couple mm. next week. It's going to be mm. a lot. Just so you know. Um, anyway, okay. Last question from David Gutierrez, our buddy. He says, "Has a band's dirty laundry ever impacted how you view their music?" Um, for as an example, and I'm glad he mentioned this because that's kind of what I was thinking too. I don't know if anyone, uh, you guys probably haven't, but there's a new documentary about the band Aha yeah. that uh, is very revealing. You can tell from that movie that they really don't like each other and would probably give anything to be away from each other, but can't. And one of the guys, uh, they're, they're all, other than Morton, they're all these deeply Norwegian names that I don't know how to pronounced but the guy the guitarist who writes most of the songs and gets the lion's share of the money the other guys are kind of beholden to him and they all just make more money obviously as aha than they do in their solo projects so it's actually a very dispiriting sad documentary i thought because i love them and they clearly don't like each other very much it was not happy i don't know i'm trying to think has anyone's dirty laundry ruined anything for you Oh gosh, you know, there's a uh, rock and roll. Oh God, Uchiku? No, no, not rock and roll. Uchiku. The uh, the guy who uh, got busted. Oh, with Gary Glitter. Girl, yeah, Gary Glitter, rock and yeah. roll. 
what's that yeah. song called again? Rock and Part Roll One or something Part like that. One, yeah. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Ah. Yeah. 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 You know, something like that. Yeah. I don't, I know that's why they don't play it at sports stadiums anymore. anymore. That used to be yeah. a staple yeah. uh, at any sporting event. And I know that kind of puts a dark cloud over it. But I'm able to kind of separate the art and the artist. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm still unsure about Michael Jackson. Like something went down somewhere. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but I can still listen to Thriller, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm with you, Andy. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not so sure of my point of view that I would defend Michael or right. claim to be right. And I'm not emotionally invested in Michael enough where I care, you know, if he did all those things. That's fine with me. I, I'm fine canceling Michael Jackson. It's not a big deal. Although I do still love Off the Wall. That would be really sure. difficult for me not to listen to Off the Wall or the Jackson 5 anymore. Um, so, yeah, I think there was some inappropriateness there, but I don't know that it was to the degree that's out there. I'm not sure. But yeah, anyway. Um, but I'm also not defending him. I'm not. You can convince me otherwise, and I'm totally open to that. And then, you know, with the cancel culture, then there's like some negative content or negative backlash. Okay. So Cosby, we know what happened with Cosby and the Cosby show is not, as far as I know, you cannot watch that anywhere and even a different world. I think you can find that on a couple, like maybe Tubi streams it, Mm -hmm. but those were both positive shows that gave white America going back to DMC a glimpse at, you know, quote unquote, black culture in the eighties that had very positive effects on race relations in this country. And for that now to be gone or extremely hard to find is almost a little bit of a disservice. Not that I'm thinking 12 year olds are out there looking to watch the Cosby show. Right. um, In 2022. Oh, what's that? Yeah. I would hope twelve-year-olds aren't watching Cosby. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but the 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 show itself was very positive. It the was. guy that created it, not so positive. I know. Yeah. I'm torn on that stuff too. And Tempest Bloodsoe could really use some money right now. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go, Tempest? We miss you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I have to think about. I mean, we just me and BJ and Eric and Brad just did that episode about problematic yeah. people in fandom. So, but I don't think that's what David is asking. I think he's asking more about just when things get really drama, full of drama and bands. I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I, because of the political climate right now, that's where my brain goes. So I, yeah, I need to tear it away and think of things like aha, where it's just people not getting along. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, the Eagles, I mean, yeah. You know, essentially at the end and the, at the end of the seventies, it was Henley and uh, Glenn Fry's band. And yeah. you guys work for us. I know it started off as one for all and all for one, but as right. the members fell to the wayside, Hey, Don I, Felder, if you don't like it, get the fuck out. That's right. <laughs> you know, I'm interviewing uh, Jack Temption this week and uh, yes. I'm really interested in talking with him about this. I need to talk perception. to you about Jack Temption as well here. Before Do we it. Go. Bring it up. Bring it on. Um, okay, the last little bit I you had you wanted to know my about deep dives, Andy. Yeah, the deep dives disappeared. It's not on purpose. It's just I just feel like I spend every waking minute minute planning something else already, yep. and um, that I I just have kind of they've fallen by the wayside. Even though the, obviously they're much easier and short and quick, easier and quicker to do than a book club episode is, but 
And I, I was doing those at first, not just to satisfy my own curiosity, but also to reconnect with guests that I really liked that I, you know, I wanted to make sure that we were still in good terms and stuff. And, um, I don't know. I just haven't felt as driven to do that lately. Although I will say I want to get, um, Tony K from yes, uh, back on here. Cause I would love to do a big generator deep dive with him. Sure. So that is definitely top of mind, but otherwise I will get back to them. They do. It's not like they, sometimes it's just honestly hard to think of, you know, if, a, if an album has 10 tracks, to think of 10 different ways to say, Oh, that's a really great song. What, you know, how did you, what happened there? You know, to think of interesting things to say. Um, Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. I I don't know. My brain space is just going to other areas right now. All right. Because that Jim Babjack green thoughts, deep dive, John, I know, I know he's, I need to get back because you said he's not working every day anymore. Right. I believe he has retired from his office job. Okay. Uh, was the last I heard on a, a different podcast. And okay. I believe they're recording um, with Marshall Crenshaw and uh, Robin Wilson. Wilson. From, uh, Jim uh, Blossoms. Jim Blossoms. Thank you. Okay. Oh, that'd be good. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I believe that there is an album in the works coming up with okay. those guys. So okay. whether it's a deep dive of that or talking about the new album, John, I would love to hear. Well, sometimes we do both. That's yeah. what we did with like Ellen Foley and stuff like that. Talk about the new album and then deep dive oh, the old yeah. one. I'm glad I was on this episode because now I'm really, you know, I already beat out Jeff or Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull on hustle appearances. <laughs> right. but Ellen Foley's on my behind. That's so right. if Dan Larroquette dies soon and you have her back on to talk about night court. Her and I are going to be pretty close neck and neck here on appearances <laughs> on the hustle. Yeah. She and uh, she and Ian lead at, with three. I can't think yeah. of anyone else who's been on three times. Um, other than friends like you. Yes. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Take well, that that's Ellen it. Foley. Yeah. Ellen, take a back seat to. She's great though. When you've had her on. So. She is great. I love her. Oh. Well, Absolutely. you know, and I want to give a, a big thank you to Yan. Of course. As a, as a fan that we got to tell you, Ian, we really appreciate your hard work because if left to his own devices, John would still be editing episode number one at this point. Uh, that Starbuck episode would have been uh, seven years old by this point. It is so true. You have no idea. Just thinking <laughs> so, about it gives me so much anxiety. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I just want to let you know, you are very much appreciated in the hustle podcast community, sir. Yes. Well, I appreciate that. Yep. It's it fun. Works. I, I love doing it. And when the laptop is playing <laughs> cooperative. Yeah, we've lost Yen like three times over the last two and a half hours here. You know what I just realized, too? I used to say that we were the DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. <laughs> but Will Smith is basically canceled, at least for a while now, too. So we got to think of something else, Yen. We're not DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince anymore. Maybe we're Penn and Teller. You could be, I'll be Penn and you be Teller because he doesn't talk much. And we've, we've got to be, we've got to have something with Dandy in as well. Cause he's, that's he, true. He's okay. There. So now we need a third. So John, yeah. you're, well, you're tall like Penn Gillette. That's hey, true. Run DMC. There you go. That's oh, right. There we go. Yeah. There we go. You're Jam Master J back there. And it works. Yeah. Jam Master J. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe we could be like, I'm Larry and this is my brother, Daryl and my other brother, Daryl. <laughs> 
but neither Daryl talks. So I don't right. think that would work. But anyway, yeah, let's be run, run DMC. Someone out there can think of a good, uh, good go. name for us. Run something. Well, let's see. We're clocking in just LMS. under three hours. I, I hope yeah. the people have listened this far. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows? All right. Last up, uh, we always close this out with a song that's available for purchase by someone that we know. And in this case, it's from Rich Bischoff, B-I-S-C-H-O-F-F. It's a song called The Lie. What's interesting about Rich is Rich and I were more were missionaries together in uh, Michigan in the early 90s. And he, I remember... He just never went anywhere without strumming his guitar. And now he makes a living as a musician. What's interesting about that is that he lives in northern Utah in this little town called Brigham City. So he makes a living as a musician, but it's by gigging in places like Jackson, Wyoming and stuff like that. It's it's this little niche that he's created for himself up in northern Utah, southern Idaho, western Wyoming, all this, that kind of area he plays up in there and he can make a living doing it and he puts out albums and he teaches guitar and stuff like that. He should call Curtis Steigers in Idaho. That's a good idea. You're right. That's right. So this song is called the lie. And, uh, I'll knowing, I have a feeling that this song may, may not be about a love affair. I think it might have to do with some thoughts on religion. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, love you guys. Thanks for everything. Oh, man.